I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hello listeners, we are back and we are super pumped for this episode and we have a delightful guest with us today. Uh, This is our friend Tommy. Tommy, say hello. Hello everyone. (laughs) Tommy is, uh, if you guys remember the uh, Sword in the Stone episode, uh, he is Steph's husband, but he is joining us today for Aladdin, 1992's Aladdin. Yes, we're so pumped for it. So... I think we sent you the full list, Tommy, and said, which one do you want to do? And you pick this one. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you hadn't sent me a list, I would have picked Aladdin. Yeah, okay. Because I feel like sometimes we ask people specifically, we're like, hey, do you want to do this one for, you know, certain reasons? Um, Why did you pick Aladdin? Other than it's great. Like, rewatching all the stuff for this, I realized this might be my favorite Disney movie. I'm really excited for it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's 100% my favorite Disney movie by a mile, by like... By more than a mile, by 10 miles. It's amazing. It's like, I think I like it so much because it makes me think back to when I was in like, it must have been second, third grade. Um, I remember I had moved to Florida for a year. My dad changed his job. So we moved from Maryland to Florida and I was like a new kid in school and I felt kind of awkward and I kind of related to Aladdin because He's not like the stereotypical kind of like big macho hero kind of dude. He's more like, you know, he's kind of self-conscious. He's kind of smaller. Like he's kind of not the typical, not the typical big hero. I kind of root for the underdog in that way. I kind of felt like I was an underdog a little bit back then. That's really interesting because did you come up with stuff on your thing about how they kept pushing for him to be an underdog and not like a macho leading man i didn't find too much stuff about that hmm. but that, that makes was sense a- i found in, um information on you know usually it's boy meets girl boy goes after girl you know what i mean like that yeah, yeah. And, and the dynamics of like a male protagonist versus like a female protagonist they were mm-hmm. talking about that a little bit well but- apparently in his design they designed him to be very boyish originally like originally he looked like they oh. kept trying to age him up because he was originally mm-hmm. like a 12 year old boy yeah oh interesting and then katzenberg came in during one of the things and said now i understand why aladdin wants to get with jasmine i don't understand why jasmine wants to get with aladdin they're like no. he's like no <laughs> Nice. What you've got here is Julia Roberts and Michael J. Fox. I need Julia Roberts and Tom Cruise. <laughs> like he's like, and they were like, okay. And they kept going back. We're like, uh, they're like, they would present a design. And he'd be like, more, more. And so like, you'll notice like, Aladdin has like a six pack. I think not really six pack, but like has pecs or something drawn in. And nice. originally he was supposed to. He would like all the original stuff. He's very like just cartoonish. But I, yeah. I think that's interesting that that uh, resonated with you, and I think it resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, this kind for of sure. underdog. Because I think the thing that's cool about this movie is it's an underdog, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen Aladdin. <laughs> like, it's an underdog, and he doesn't achieve being better. It's he gains confidence in, in who, who he, he was is. before yeah, he changes. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not a journey of him becoming better, it's a journey of him 
having more confidence in, in the world or him, him proving that what he has is valuable to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-acceptance kind of thing. It's like yeah, Aladdin, yeah. Aladdin proves through the genie and proves through like, you know, even though he gets all these wishes and this amazing stuff, being the prince and everything, really at the end what gets Aladdin what he wants is just being himself, being clever yeah. at the end and outsmarting Jafar and then just like, I don't need to be a prince after all. I can just be like this good person and the genie gets free. Spoiler alert, I guess. And like, I mean, it's just like guy, amazing. Guys, yeah. Go watch Aladdin. Like, I mean, I know we have the point where we say now we're going to watch the movie, yeah. but come on. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's one of the, one of my favorite things is that Aladdin wins just by being Aladdin. And like, mm-hmm. everybody's just not, not helping him become better than what he is. Just becoming what, what he is. Yeah. It's like everybody else kind of sees it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's a diamond in the uh, rough. It's a it's it's a it's a movie of validation, I think. In a way, yeah, like his, I would agree with you. Good nature is being validated. Do you have specific memories, Tara? From so this, this is um, like Jeremy and I talked about on the Little Mermaid episode. This is one that I can remember being at both of our houses. I like I spent a lot of time at his house because his mom would like watch me like after school and things like that. But this is one that, like, no matter whose house we were at, like, this is one we would put on. Like, I can remember, like, crying so hard from laughing from the genie. Like, just, <laughs> like, dying laughing. And, like, this one just sticks with me in that way. Yeah. So I'm really excited. I have not watched it in a while. Yes. So I am really excited to watch it kind of with this new lens of us doing this podcast, but also because it's another big nostalgic one for me mm-hmm. um, that I'm kind of really excited to revisit. I have a very specific memory with Aladdin that you remember, which is when I got you those the Aladdin Super Nintendo game. Oh yes, I forgot about this. And, oh my gosh, this and is a you great told story. Jer- you texted Jeremy and so he his, responded with well, Genie well, Jafar Aladdin Abu. Which, which is was the password the to the genie code level. To the genie level. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um and that was for Super Nintendo. Yeah, Sega I think was a different password. But mm-hmm. um yeah, his sister, Kelly, was visiting for my birthday. And so we texted him and we were like, oh, my God, Ryan got this for Tara for her birthday. And, yeah, I totally forgot that about that. That was his immediate response. Yes. Just Genie Jafar Aladdin Abu. <laughs> which is funny. When I read it, I'm like, okay, yes, yes, Jeremy. Those are characters. And like, I'm like, okay, buddy. <laughs> uh, I think that game was, we- it was supposed to be notoriously difficult but I remember loving it, and now that you mention it, I'm sure it's because I just cheated my way through the whole thing every single time I turned it on. Well, so, because you like you only have so many lives, and then like there's the passwords. So if mm-hmm. you didn't have the passwords, like you would get the passwords. I think when you would, if I remember correctly, because I've now played. They make it for Switch, and with Switch you can save it. Ooh. So I've actually beaten it on Switch. Humble oh, brag. nice. Uh, but it, and it is really hard. But um, I, I think Lion King is actually harder. But there's this yeah. section of like, as a video game designer, like there's a lot. There's a, there's every once in a while I see an article come up about these Disney games, which we're getting a little off. But like, this is a good time to talk about this because Aladdin yeah. is, a, is probably Iconic. Aladdin and Lion King are like the peak ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's these games that they were like, well, they're uh, licensed games in a time when licensed games can be bad. Because remember we bought that home improvement game. Oh, which well, is one of we the worst bought the I've home improvement game because Jeremy and I used to play that one yes. and it's bonkers because you're bad. on the you're on the like television set, so like T Rexes come in. But that's the thing, from, yeah, like, the first set. it's like I'm on the tool time set. I have to go one set over to this dinosaur show that has real dinosaurs. Anyway, we're not here to talk about <laughs> the tool time 
video game. It's bonkers. <laughs> it's wild. Um, but like, this is a licensed game at a time when licensed games were very bad, and this is a legitimately mm. good game that holds up. I think it has a nice blend mm-hmm. of nostalgia, good graphics. Like, yeah. it looks really good for us. It's it's holds up with some of the better Super Nintendo games. And it's pretty fun. Now there are some hard parts. The the flying carpet. There's always those the, levels that's the, like in the in the cave of wonders. In the cave of wonders. Really Same thing with the uh, stampede level in. The, Lion see, King. the stampede level for me wasn't as hard as like the waterfall oh, level where you Kuna Matata level. You have to like jump on all these logs. But um, but no. I what I will say is I think it is cool too if you do like these games. I mean now you know Super Nintendo. They've come out with like the retro duo and all of that, but now Switch is now coming out with different versions. What I will say is the Switch version of Aladdin, the genie level, I think is like the Sega. It's different than the original Super Nintendo one, which I found weird. I guess they used the Sega version, but I don't know why they would do that. But yeah. again, that's like another tangent for another time. So let's get started on all the info because we've yeah, got a lot. We've got a lot. So it was 1992. It got well, an- I would like to go back a little further than that. Tara's giving me a look. You you just looked at me like, (laughs) let's get into the info, and I got the year of the movie in. Yes, but do you want to start back in 1000 AD when Arabian Nights was... I have a bunch of information Okay, well then let's start over like I didn't interrupt you at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hold on. All right. So it was 1992. It got a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, and to put that in perspective, Little Mermaid had a 93, and Beauty and the Beast had a 94 so these movies are like climbing by 1%. So Aladdin has 95. Um, what I found interesting, it was the first animated film to gross more than $2 million. So it made a lot of money. And the other thing that I found interesting. Wait, that can't be right. That's, I, that was in the Sleeping Beauty documentary. That was a fact. Then $2 million Because I, I know the other movies made more mon- money than that. Do you want to look up opening weekend? Do you think oh, it made that much weekend? opening weekend? That might be it or something like that. It, yeah. Let's just say it's a it's a hit because I'll tell you real quick, top three movies that year, we'll go backwards, are Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Oh. Your Ooh. call, The Bodyguard. Or I knew it was going to be up there. And oh. number one, Aladdin. Aladdin. Yeah. Can you look oh, wow. up opening weekend, Gross? Because now I am curious I on that number. No, I don't oh, think so. Oh, you can't do but that. But it does say it made worldwide over, over half a billion dollars. Yeah. So then... So, I'm, I'm assuming that this is the first time that has that has to be that fact then because this is the first time that the animated movie we've done is number one in the top three, yeah. um, which is really cool. I, the reason I guess Bodyguard was in the top three is because it was nominated and won best original song and it was up against so the song that won was Whole New World. And it was up against um, Friend Like Me, also from Aladdin, Run mm-hmm. to You from The Bodyguard, I Have Nothing from The Bodyguard, and then uh, Beautiful Maria of My Soul, which is from the Mambo Kings. I've never heard of that song mm-hmm. or movie, but that was the other one that was in that category. So it did win for original song with Whole New World, and it won, um, I believe, for original score as well. So mm-hmm. it did win two Oscars. Uh, so I have a lot of facts about the original stories. Do you want me to go into that next? Yeah. Or okay. I have that it was uh, collected around 1000 AD. So oh I, yeah, I don't have the I don't have that. So so I have that, and then in 1741, the first like translated copy came around. Yeah. And then they started. Uh, there was uh, some of the differences are there's no magic carpets in the original. Uh, the genie gives infinite wishes in the original, and the genie has no desire to be free. So, yes. And what's interesting is the whole idea of this story, 
um, it's old stories within a story. So Mm -hmm. it's the Thousand and One Nights or Arabian Nights. And the whole purpose is Scheherazade. Scheherazade. Thank you. You remember that because the first line, well, Scheherazade had the thousand tales. That's a line from just, this is my favorite Disney song. I don't know if I've said it yet, but Friend Like Me is my 100% favorite Disney song. And even before this podcast could be probably like, da, 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 like in my head at some time in my, like once a week at least. So she is the wife of, she is given as a a wife to a, a sheik or a sultan. I have that she was married to a murderous king. Yes. And who killed his new wives after the first day of wedding them. So he had many wives, I guess. I never read like how many wives he actually had. But what she wound up doing was to save her life, she would tell him a story every night. And Mm -hmm. so Aladdin was one of these many stories. So this was one of many stories that she would tell, but she would leave out the ending. So the cliffhanger would compel him to delay her death. It's kind of dark. Yes. As a very like bluebeard. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple versions of it. Like the big, the first uh, big um, Hollywood versions, they did something called the thief of Baghdad. Oh, I don't know anything about that. That was that. That's there's a couple movies. There's one that was a silent film that's like that, and it's mostly, as far as I can tell, he just it's like Aladdin wants a princess, and he gets a magic carpet, and then they fly around, and everyone's like, ah, and waves at him. And then there's another version of it a little later that's in color with sound and everything like that. And then there's Mickey in Arabia, which is his version of oh, it. Oh, yeah, as, as a cartoon. Oh. So hmm. those are just I'll probably find a copy of. It's easy to find copies of those like old black and white uh, Mickey Mouse cartoons. Yeah. So. Um, I have some stuff about the music talking about because we've talked about Howard Ashman Mm -hmm. in the past with Little Mermaid. So it was Howard Ashman, Alan Menken, and then Tim Rice. And we talked about how they brought Tim Rice in um, with Beauty and the Beast to write songs for the musical. And so they bring Tim Rice in for Aladdin to finish it. Um, And Howard worked on Aladdin while working on Little Mermaid. And an interesting fact that we learned from the Howard documentary, he actually played Aladdin on stage as a kid in Baltimore. So he grew up in Baltimore. So I thought you'd find that fun, Tommy, too, just because. uh, Maryland Pride. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, I, he did, the, the Howard Ashman songs are Friend Like Me, Arabian Nights, Prince Ali. I think that's it. And then the Tim Rice songs are Whole New World, One Jump, and the reprise of Prince Ali. Mm. And I have to say that, like, I lo- what I've learned in these last few movies is how much I love Howard Ashman. Yeah. Because I think his songs in this have a very distinctly Arabian feel and instrumentation. And we were talking about this last night. There's a point of view with storytelling that I think he does really well. And the other ones just feel like typical Broadway songs to me in a way that's like, like one jump sounds like it could be a kid singing as he's running through Brooklyn. Like that song, there's a little Uh, like, do, 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 do. And then it goes into like, no, that's Prince Ali. There's like (laughs) parts that are like kind of uh, Arabian sounding, but then it's like, Hey, I'm in Brooklyn. Like, it doesn't sound like, a, like, like an Arabian kid to me. Same thing with whole new world, whole new world, of course, but then goes on to be like a smash hit. Cause it's, yeah. you know, it and a song that we there. have performed in karaoke, switching the parts. We did. I did. I believe so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cause I think I know Jasmine's part way better. Than yeah. Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing, speaking of Prince Ellie, Howard wrote that while in the hospital. So he oh, wrote man. that one. Oh. Yeah, he was he was dying with AIDS at that point. And so that was one he wrote in the hospital. Um, 
but during this time, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, so a lot of these facts are kind of mixed in with the Sleeping Beauty documentary and the Howard documentary, but we start to see that the artists and the animators, we start to see the physical challenges with the push on how long they could go on at that pace. Because now they're having to produce content so much quicker. Disney mm-hmm. made this promise mm-hmm. of coming out with like a film a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we start to see that happening as well. And, you know, them having carpal tunnel and them, you know, feeling like they can't have families or like they have a family, but they never see them and that kind of a thing and pushing them to their limits. So that was something else that I found interesting. Um, Do you guys want a cool fact about one of the big inspirations for Aladdin? Sure. The Why character, yes. not the uh, MC Hammer. Oh well, his pants with I the parachute that. pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I read that's that awesome. The animator, they, I read that the animator that did Aladdin uh, that he watched Glenn a lot Keen. of. Yeah, he watched a lot of videos of MC Hammer. They said they watched Can't Touch Us, but they said also his attitude and his like oh, energy was uh, had a lot to do with it. But yeah, that's apparently they they had that's that video fun. on a lot in the office to kind of watch his inspiration for it. So I. <laughs> that's so good. I have a lot of facts about Robin Williams, so I don't know if you want me to go into those next or Um, if there's other things you'd like to talk about first. There's a couple other things I want to talk about first. Okay. Uh, Directors of this one are Ron Clements and John Musker, who are the directors of Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. Um, We're getting into this point where, I mean, I've seen a lot of these, so I'm sure other animation fans out here know this and kind of follow these guys, but like... I've been starting to do when they do these things. I, I try and write down who's doing who's animating what. So it's Glenn Cle- Glenn Keane is doing Aladdin. Mark Hen is Jasmine. He based Jasmine on. He was trying to find pictures of people um, he liked like like that looked good and he wanted to use an inspiration. And he found an old picture, an old high school picture of his sister, and he put it up. And he was joking that people were like looking at him, be like, "Hey, is your sister married?" Like she's like her senior picture. Yeah. But he based a lot of it on her. And then for Halloween that year, she sewed a like jasmine costume and took a picture in it just to be like and everyone looked at him like this does look like jasmine oh that's really funny things i found where it was uh, about that that's interesting because i had a fact that he based it on jennifer Connolly, so that one must not be okay like he had they they like it's like from labyrinth like that yeah, yeah. yeah They had, but they had like the big one at the end is he he couldn't quite get it together, and then that was what that's really great. was. That's great. I love sister. that. Uh, Duncan Marjorie Banks did a boo. Uh, Eric Goldberg, who we'll go into later, did the genie. On Andreas Deja did Jafar. Will Finn Iago, because Will Finn was apparently the biggest uh, Gilbert Godfrey fan in the office, and even in the documentary, he starts doing Gilbert Godfrey impressions that are a little. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do like Gilbert. And he's like, "This is my job." <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> And then Randy Cartwright did the magic carpet. Now, do you have all the information on how the magic carpet worked? I don't, know. So the magic carpet was hand-drawn without the pattern on it. And he's animated like that, and his tassels are animated to do this. And originally, they wanted him to be like a dog, kind of like the Ottoman from Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah. But then he said, but then the, the, the guy, I forgot his name already, uh, Randy Cartwright said, can I do a test of him like when he sneaks up on a, a boo and he kind of does tricks them? And they liked that. But they wanted him to be, they originally wanted him to be full CGI, but they thought it was going to look weird. So his pattern that's on the, the rug is of CGI texture that they go in and map onto the hand-drawn thing. Oh. So that, because huh. if you look at it, it's very intricate, and it actually tells the story of Aladdin. It's got lamps in the middle oh, and swords really and tiger heads on the outside, but that's all CGI. That 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 pattern, but where what it's attached to is hand drawn. Mm. 
Hmm. So anyway, I thought that was cool. That is cool. Um, Eric Goldberg, who did the genie, was one of the. This was his first Disney thing, and when he was, so he was working on the genie first because they thought the genie was going to be hard. And I'll let we'll go into the Robin Williams stuff in a second. This is yeah, that's else. totally fine. He came up with this idea. To he based it on one of his favorite cartoonists for the I believe the L.A. Times. I gotta find it. Al Hirschfeld, the New oh, York. Oh, from Times. the New York Times. Yes. Yeah, so I, I read the, about this a little bit. Yeah, the curvy nature of how everyone yeah. looks. He does. He does a bunch of caricatures of people, and there's a lot of like thick parts. It's not just a line. It's a line that gets thicker in the middle and then thin again. Um, which he said was actually hard to do with this. But if you look at all the characters, they're drawn like that. Like think about Aladdin's pants. Think about mm-hmm. how curvy the genie is. And then they did all that with the characters because they wanted it to also look Arabian. They did a lot of reference from Iran, and they were talking about how everything's kind of dome-shaped and that sort of thing. And you look at the Arabic calligraphy, and it's very curvy. So that's part of why he went with this Al Hirschfield. He goes on to do the Rhapsody in Blue segment from Fantasia 2000. And it's it's based almost directly on Al Hirschfeld art. Oh, interesting. So then Andreas Deja comes in and goes, I'm not doing that for Jafar. Not to be mean, but he goes... This is how you're going to know this guy doesn't fit in here. Is yeah. He's going to be straight, angular lines, and he's going to look like this and have a very like sharp face, and he's going to seem to be out of place amongst these other things. Mm-hmm. And I, So that's something to look at while you guys are watching this is kind of the difference in those lines. Eric Goldberg, like we said, also did Robin Williams, and I think this is where you want to take over and talk about Yeah, that. so I've got a bunch of stuff with Robin Williams, and you guys can feel free to chime in um, if you came across some stuff as well. But I had read that during the recording, during the course of him recording uh, the voices for the movie um, of the genie, he improvised so much that they had 16 hours of material. <laughs> Like over sixteen <laughs> hours of just his improvis- improvisations, which I thought was crazy. There's a video I'll put up, and it's not sixteen hours; it's probably three or four minutes. Yeah, but it's someone has animated all a bunch of his second takes, like drawn pictures of the genie as I love that. the oh. other celebrities he's impersonating cool. that didn't make the cut. Yeah. Also, um, the opening scene with the street merchant was completely unscripted. So I read that. Really? Supposedly, oh. yeah. I read that Robin was brought to the soundstage with several objects on a table and a bed sheet covering them. And the animators asked <laughs> him to lift the sheet and without looking, take an object from the table and describe it in character. Much of the material was not appropriate for a Disney film. <laughs> so I don't know how much they used of it, but that was kind of like what they were trying to get with that. There's, so I found that really interesting. The video I found, everything's, pretty appropriate it may not have been appropriate for a 1992 yeah film but there's just one you know the part where he goes oh al i'm beginning to like you he's like no i don't know that i want to pick out curtains as he's flying away do you remember that line i th- not you'll, really you'll see yeah. it but apparently the second take was i would have given you mouth to mouth but you're just not that attractive to me and i was <laughs> like that felt like something like nope can't do that yeah <laughs> Um, the other thing, and Ryan and I talked about this briefly last night, but the writers started doing the storyboard development and they immediately wanted Robin, but he wasn't approached yet for the project, but that's who they had in mind. So they had him in in mind from the early... Well, they sold the movie based on the fact it was going to be a Robin Williams movie before they asked him. Oh, wow, before they they approached him? Well, if he says no, we're not going to do this. Yeah. Uh, and so that's crazy. I didn't know that. So in order to convince him to do the role, Eric Goldberg, who animated the genie, who Ryan mentioned, he did several minutes of Robin's stand-up routines animated as the genie and screened it for Robin. And he was so impressed, he signed 
almost immediately after that. Eric Goldberg's like in multiple scenes uh, is always going the best the best part in my entire career is showing Robin Williams my animation having him crack up at it he's like yeah. there's nothing better that's ever happened to me than that i can't imagine yeah what that must have felt like uh another interesting fact i had that supposedly when um robin was recording for this movie he would receive calls from spielberg who was working on schindler's list at the time and he'd put him on speaker to tell jokes to the cast and crew to kind of like <laughs> lift them up <sighs> Because they were like doing such a kind of dark and intense movie, and a lot of his material. Oh, I thought. <laughs> oh, I thought Robin Williams was having Spielberg <laughs> a oh, consultant no, 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 no. on Schindler's List or I'm something. I'm so sorry. Yes, I, I'm I was so like, sorry if I didn't describe that right. No, 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 no. I think that was just yeah. So Spielberg called him to like lift him and the cast up. Okay. So yeah, Robin yeah. would tell jokes <laughs> to the cast and crew of Schindler's List, and some of the material was from Aladdin. So that's kind of how I came across that fact. And then the next story I have is kind of about why Robin Williams separated from Disney. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a pretty Mm. in-depth story, but I'll just kind of highlight it as much as I can here. I've I've got a beginning of it that I'm not sure you have because I didn't know this. I only found it one spot. Did you know that? How much he made for it? No, it's Uh all about the other movie he was doing. He he recorded before Aladdin. No, okay. It came out after Aladdin. Can you think of what movie, what animated movie he would have recorded? Animated movie that came out after Aladdin? Fern Gully. Oh, yeah. So part of the reason they thought they could get him is he had actually recorded everything for Fern Gully before. Mm -hmm. And I have more facts about Batty Coda, which the the video I saw, they kept showing the Batty Coda rap, which Fern Gully is coming to an episode of Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries someday. But, (laughs) But we'll go into that later. Continue, and I have other okay. Fern Gully adjacent information I'll Got jump it. in with. <laughs> Interesting. So he provided the voice of the genie at a union scale rate, which is the lowest legal pay rate the studio can give an actor. $70,000. Yeah. And so he agreed to do that on specific provisions. And so these were what they were, that the voice was not to be used in any merchandising, so that include toys and anything else, and that the genie character not take up more than 25% of the space on the poster, the ads, the billboards, the trailers, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Apparently those wishes were not granted. It's kind of funny that they (laughs) described it as wishes not granted in a genie movie. Um, But those wishes were not granted. And so he withdrew his support from Disney and the film. And as a result, his name is not included. There's a book called The Art of the Aladdin Book. And they refer to Robin Williams as the voice of the genie. They don't include his name. So it got pretty tumultuous. And he was not available um, for the voice of... Of the genie and return to Jafar. Instead, we got Dan Castellaneta. I believe I'm saying that right, but his voice of Homer Homer Simpson. Simpson. Yeah, yeah. So um, then I found this interesting as well. So in an attempt to make peace, Michael Eisner apologized and offered an original Picasso painting to to white rich people. A million dollar Picasso (laughs) Uh, painting. And Robin was still so angry and felt so betrayed by the company, he didn't accept the gift. And it wasn't until Katzenberg was fired and replaced with Joe Roth that Robin returns to Disney. So he reprises the role of the genie in the second sequel of Aladdin, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. And it was after a public apology and that promises to right wrongs were kind of yes. kept up with. Um, 
he there's a video of him receiving a special award for his work as the genie from like a SAG Actors Guild or something. And he goes up there and he doesn't mention Disney once. He kind of just does his stand up routine. Oh wow! And he makes one joke at Jeffrey Katzenberg's defense. He's like, I like to thank Jeffrey Katzenberg. And then he just keeps going, like, and he doesn't <laughs> yeah. say anything like that. Um, the other thing that happened was Katzenberg kind of thought he would remove, he would ask to be removed from Fern Gully. And he had to go back and I think do like pickup stuff. But they were having a really hard time getting Fern Gully done because one, they were trying to find animation space to do it. Mm-hmm. And apparently Disney would buy out that animation space as soon as they found out that the company doing Fern Gully was interested in it. They go, oh, well, we're going to go buy it for more. Oh, wow. And that eventually that company found a brewery and like did it there. And then one time Katzenberg came to walk through it. And they had to go hide everything because they thought if he knows we're here, he's going to buy it. That's wild. And so, really ugly. Yes. And I think Robin Williams was like, I did this movie first because he was like, I thought you'd, you know, be with us. And he's like, who cares? Like, let me do yeah. this. This, you know, I've already recorded everything. Like, you know. Well, and that makes sense as to why he came back to Disney after Katzenberg left. It sounds yes. like mm. they didn't have a good relationship. I, I feel like there's a couple books and things I want to get into about. Katzenberg era Katzenberg and Eisner era because I, I will admit a lot of my the the thing I found out all this Fern Gully stuff was and I'll be honest it was one of the most cynical like videos to go through and it was a, it was a YouTube video so it's like there's probably a lot of editorializing mm-hmm. and all that but that's how you get information that's not Disney scrubbed yes yeah and, and right. it, we've talked about that in the past and you know I think we show an affection for Disney here but I think we're pretty fair with at least like saying like here's the information. Like if you give us the information, we will get it out there. Yeah. Tommy, did you come across anything interesting? I know you said that you did some research. I know we've been kind of babbling on, but is there anything like Uh no, I mean it was a lot of the same stuff you guys found. Okay. Yeah, like the yeah, I found that that whole Hirschfeld thing, which was kinda cool and yeah. I'll post some of his art. Yeah, the Hirschfeld thing I think was the most interesting thing. Cause I had I had, it was actually the second time sort of that recently Fantasia had come to mind because like I had recently for some reason um, played Fantasia on some Friday afternoon for the kids at school and we went through that Rhapsody in Blue segment and I was like, oh man, this looks a lot like Aladdin. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so then I was like, this can't possibly be. So I kind of like looked into it a little. I was like, oh, it looks like the dude Hirschfeld who worked on Aladdin also worked on Fantasia. Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. just kind of like a cool coincidence from last week. Yeah, oh, that's a fun full circle. Yeah. Um, a couple things I want to talk about real quick with Jafar and, and Iago. Mostly Iago, but because Tara watches it, we'll put this video up. of Apparently, Jonathan Freeman, who voiced Jafar, came in the first day and they had brought in a parrot for him to talk to. And he was like, I'm terrified of birds. Like, he's just <laughs> like, I can't. You have to take that out of here right now. So then this video we found is him 12 years later. And he goes into like an exotic bird shop in new york and they show him all they show him a kookaburra which we talked about in rescuers down under and they like put a parrot on his shoulder and he's like hello and he's like clearly (laughs) uncomfortable with it but it's a fun video we'll put Mm it up um something i never really thought about iago has teeth oh he does have teeth because he's got Gilbert Gottfried's teeth. Yes. And and Gilbert Gottfried's is like, this is a terrible parrot. Parrots don't have teeth. How did he get this job? Like he's, I got all these videos of him. And then apparently Gilbert Gottfried says this, so I don't know how true this is, but he said that the writers had a sign and that said, when in doubt, hurt the bird. 
<laughs> That's great. Um, I have a fact about Jafar and Iago that originally Jafar was supposed to be hot-tempered, and Iago was supposed to be a cool, haughty yes. British type, which kind of sounds like Zazu a little bit. Mm. Uh, I've, but got, the... I've got a video of him with that voice, like a, a test where he's like, well, Jafar, blah, 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 and he sounds like that. <laughs> yeah, and, they just switched him. and filmmakers felt that Jafar losing his temper too much made him less menacing, so that's why the personalities were switched. I think it was a good switch. Iago is also a reference uh, to a something that is is uh uh solidified in the aladdin tv series apparently iago has a uh twin brother named othello in the series <laughs> so uh i have a uh, a fun fact about abu's name abu's name is after an ancient egyptian city and it translates to elephant because the city was known for trade in ivory and if you remember mm. abu gets turned into an, to elephant. an elephant so i found that uh, I super fun that. Another uh, thing that I found interesting is Aladdin throws an apple to Jasmine several times in the film, including when they fly over Greece on the magic carpet ride. Supposedly in ancient Greece, throwing an apple to a woman is considered a marriage proposal. Oh. So I found that interesting. Hmm. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, something else to look out for is any time when he's wearing the turban with the purple feather, any time the purple feather falls in his face, it's when he's telling a lie. I like his outfit, and we'll probably talk about this more after we see it, but just watch his outfit as a prince never seems to fit right. Yeah. And I think there's mm, something to say that, yeah. like, the, the, the hat is always crooked. Like, he always looks so much more comfortable in his street rat attire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Abu, played by Frank Welker, who we've talked about, did the voice of Joanna. Mm-hmm. Oh, my, yes, my you're, sweet you're, love. Yes. Uh, uh, also does the voice of Raja and the Cave of Wonders. In oh. This. Cool. So that's kind of the you see his range, yeah. Because like the, you, there's an interview in the thing I saw, and he's he's a he's kind of a spaz, but mm-hmm. I really he's a good guy. Uh, I also read that Jasmine was supposed to be more active, so she was supposed to confront the Sultan angrily mm-hmm. at one point and have a talk, but instead she's crying. Um, and the anim- animator said that made them cringe because I think they wanted her to be a little bit more independent, and she is somewhat independent, but they wanted to really push that. But I guess that required them to design an entirely new room for a talk. They didn't say why they would have had Mm. to do that. So they kind of scrapped that. Another thing that was supposed to happen but didn't is when she's in the hourglass, she was supposed to free herself. She was supposed to use a jewel in her headpiece to cut herself free. But in the last minute, they change it to Aladdin rescuing her. Mm. So Mm. I just think that that's interesting as we look at female character agency. Um, Those are things that they kind of originally had for Jasmine. Um, well, I have some things. Can, can I bring up something I want yeah. to talk a little bit about Jafar? Go ahead. Um, I read an article. One of the things, uh, very early, uh, a future guest we're going to have, my friend Travis, or our friend Travis, sorry, um, talked a little bit about, like, you know, we talked, uh, oops, sorry, we talked about that in uh, the Little Mermaid episode about the queer coding of, of, of Disney villains, specifically Ursula, mm-hmm. and kind of like the, the big trilogy of queer coded the big trilogy of them, the big triad, seems to be Ursula, Jafar, and Scar. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this is something I tried to find a little bit more on. It was a little hard to find because uh, Travis, my friend, referred to it as, like, your gay uncle. <laughs> and so I was yeah. trying to look up gay uncle on Google, and I didn't really... Like, I didn't get anything inappropriate, but it was very hard. I don't think I've... that That is the specific name for the trope. But there is kind of a queer coding of Jafar, and I found a very interesting article I'll, pr- I'll post that was essentially... I miss the queer-coded villains of Disney. The newest generation won't. 
because they probably won't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the thing now is there, like, you know, there's queer coding towards. There's those characters in Frozen, the guy who runs the shop, and there's a thing that he's like the the other man there is his partner. Like these villains are super interesting because they're so different and they're they've got this like this. I think the the, the gayness of them makes them interesting in a lot of ways, but it's also something that they were doing to kind of other them. So you won't. Yeah. It's going to be hard to uh, see that again. Yeah. But at the same time, these are three heavy hitter villains ursula is our number one on the villains chart mm-hmm. and i think scar and jafar are going to be there i don't know that i'm actually like encapsulating this idea it's something to watch and i'll post that um article so there's a little more but just something to think about and yeah have and i head. would love listeners to reach out i'm thinking jeremy specifically but somebody who's done well, more study on this yeah. than, I, than i have please feel free to talk about it it's you know we have an open facebook page yeah come come let us know what you think yeah I agree. but jafar's Spoiler alert, Jafar's got to make it in the top 10. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and Andreas, um, Deja, Deja, like Deja Vu, Deja talks about how it was so much more fun to draw him versus drawing Gaston. Is so Andreas he, Deja gay? I'm going to look that up. Um, so he just, he, you know, had come off of drawing Gaston and he said, you know, Jafar was very skinny. He was wide, padded shoulders and had an elegance to him with these long sweeping lines, which we talked about wanting that to be different. And when asked if his movements would be restricted by that design, the directors Ron Clements and John Musker said, look at Maleficent with her strong design and controlled movement. It can add a sinister aspect to Jafar. Andreas Deja is openly gay. His sexuality has been discussed as an influence on the development of some Disney characters. Mm. So there's that makes me feel better having a queer-coded villain that is animated by an openly gay man yeah like that feels a little uh, bit less yeah. of othering and more of his influence maybe coming mm-hmm. into it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah anyway shining through he also i found this interesting he began to study expressions of people who were driven by excessive greed but they didn't list who they were so i want to know <laughs> who they were. <laughs> yeah probably uh but this is from my frank and ollie villain book so i found that interesting also roy disney had this to say about jafar which i found interesting we're right back to mr evil himself in aladdin you know jafar is just pure evil he wants to take over the kingdom and kill everyone in sight or enslave them or whatever suits his fancy jafar is pure evil <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, so I mean, his, his he was very enthusiastic is, about Jafar. His motivation is purely power. Yeah, like Maleficent is jealousy. Mm-hmm. Like Ursula, Ursula is another power-driven yes. one. Like the good ones mm-hmm. are just like I want to be in charge. All three of them, the big three. I want to crave, yeah, Jafar, to be in charge of Scar, the kingdom. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, also, did you know that Patrick Stewart was considered for the voice of this Jafar? This is the second Patrick Aww. Stewart role that because he was going to be the bulldog in. Oliver and Company, and then, oh. remember that? Yeah. Because I, well, Captain John Luke. Yes. Uh, with this one, supposedly. Gray Hot. Okay, sorry. Supposedly, <laughs> there were conflicts because he was on Star Trek Next Generation, and apparently in interviews, he says it's his biggest regret that he wasn't able to do it. No offense, but I don't Jonathan know. Freeman, who I don't know anything else he does, I think he's a Broadway person. Just is so good as Jafar. It was funny. There's a story I read where Andreas Deja had been animating Jafar, listening to his voice. And then he came in to, to, to kind of like discuss the character. And he goes, oh, you don't look anything like what I thought you would look like. Well, and speaking of him, he was also Jafar 
in the Broadway musical. So to just say yes. one or two facts about mm. the Broadway musical, um, pre-Broadway, it kind of did an opening in Toronto, and then it went on Broadway uh, March 2014, and it was on Broadway until the pandemic. So it was currently running, uh, and then COVID shut it down. And I read that it's suspended till June 1st of this year at the earliest. So that's when they're hoping to um, open back up mm. uh, with the show. But Jonathan Freeman was Jafar and he won a Tony for, oh no, I'm, excuse me. He did not win a Tony. Sorry, Jonathan. Uh, Jeannie won a Tony. So James Monroe mm. Illig- Ilghart. I don't know that I'm saying his name right, but uh, the stage show was nominated for five Tonys when it opened. It won for one with the performance of the genie. Um, and now he's a black man, isn't he? Playing the genie. Yeah, I feel like I've seen this this guy before. Yeah, so good for that. Jonathan Freeman also, by the way, I think is also gay. So we're getting a lot of like gay characters, people. I I think I'm not 100 percent sure, but just so you know, he also did the voice in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, fun. Um, Also, this show has been in other countries. It's gone on tour, so it's been pretty widely um, performed throughout Mm -hmm. the world, Mm -hmm. not just in the United States. But there was a casting controversy. And so I wanted to talk about this because we try to bring this up every so often, um, talking about how it was a predominantly white this is an all-white cast um so they talk about that they talk about that in the musical as well casting choices that maybe i guess they could have made differently Mm -hmm. um i think i read that and then i also wanted to bring up that arabian nights the original lyrics um there was an organization and i just want to make sure i get the organization right I remember this controversy happening. It was an uh, Arab-American group. So there were several different groups. I guess it wasn't just one group. They claimed that the line was racist. And so um, when you listen to it, you can kind of hear that they've pieced together lyrics. I think you have to listen very closely. Mm -hmm. But they did replace the lyrics after multiple groups came out and felt that um, it didn't portray them in a light that was positive, which I would agree with, with the original lyric. We're not going to say the original lyric here, but you can find it if you want to know what it was. Yeah, it just feels icky saying yeah, it, no, like I for lack of that. a better term. Like mm-hmm. I just don't feel good. Like it's you know I the same thing when we did the Fantasian, we didn't want to like show like like we'll put it up for historical reference somewhere, but like go look it up. It's not hard. Yeah, to find. <laughs> I, I think it's important to recognize that it happened though, yeah. and that they did make the change. Yes, I think that yes, that's yes, important. Yes. Um, and Aladdin, then, the first CD I think I ever bought. Ooh. I'm just remembering that. And I think I, st- if I still had it, it still has that lyric on it. That's great. Well, Tommy, I know you're a violinist. Did you, as a child, ever do like any of the Disney books or anything? And I'm also curious, have you played any Disney musicals as an adult, like in the orchestra? In the- yeah, I mean, definitely when I was a kid, we always had the... Um, like for our little elementary and middle school orchestras, if the teacher wanted to get us interested in performing at the concert, they'd buy the Aladdin arrangement or the Disney arrangement yes. from that year yeah. and we'd play. And I'd play a nice second violin part, playing lots of open D and open A the whole time. And it was lovely. And I thought it was so awesome. I'm not laughing because I understand that joke. I'm laughing because <laughs> it's such a specific joke. Like, <laughs> there's All of our second violin listeners out there are yeah. roaring. Uh, if you got that joke, hit me up on social media, guys. Um, so, <laughs> no, I, I th- um, 
Yeah, so I, I never bought the um, the Disney books for myself. I was, I guess I was, I was too elitist for that. But, uh, <laughs> but I really like... Um, I really like playing Disney shows. I've played, uh, I remember playing Beauty and the Beast at Shenandoah University um, mm -hmm. one summer, and that was a blast. Um, the orchestrations are really good. The arrangements are really good. It has interesting parts throughout. It's like not just fun to listen to, but it's also fun to perform. There's a yeah, violin solo during Be Our Guest where he's like, 10 years, and he's doing that. Like, isn't there like the, there's, I feel like there's a violin kind of like, right under uh lumiere oh when he's being Am very I making dramatic that up? there's de there's definitely one in the in the stage show i haven't watched the movie in a while though so oh, okay. i don't yeah i don't remember that but yeah it's playing disney shows is awesome i've actually in my uh in my quartet we've played a lot of whole new world for wedding ceremonies oh. some people have requested it for uh for prelude some people request it for like the bridesmaids and we've we've even had a bride walk down the aisle to whole new world wow. before I, although I bet <laughs> that would have been a deal breaker yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i bet as a quartet though it probably sounds i feel I'm like sure it's great sounds yeah really it's beautiful. a fine song but yeah. <laughs> i never mind i don't want to like i don't want to to ostracize a, probably a large portion of our thing but like i don't know why i can't like disney and honeymoon disney and weddings like i don't know why like it's like i think it's because disney's a look back into being a kid and like getting married is such an adult thing mm. that i like separate the two in my mind but i don't there's know. so Me many people who connect over disney so well, it's oh hard. yeah yeah. The, the other side of this to make sure everyone understands that I am I am I, I am actually no better or worse than anyone else out there. I we did have a long talk of us coming back down the aisle to the song where they get the medals in uh Star Wars. So yes. I am not exactly <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um and, and then someone else we knew did it and I was like, "Boo!" Yeah. <laughs> upset. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that you're that someone is not the only someone out in the world who's done that. But oh, definitely uh, not. And then we should mention. I don't think we mentioned this at the top, but that's how Tommy and I know each other is through Shenandoah yeah. University. Um Because yep. you mentioned Shenandoah, and so just just to make that known, yes, that's yes, yes. how we. Tommy and his roommate Mark were the first people yeah, we, I met at for, like friends the, from way back. Yeah, yeah from August like 2003, night. probably. Yeah. yeah, like days after moving into the. So to our freshman dorms. Um, but the other thing I just wanted to mention, I know we've been going long here. Uh, the last fact is when it was first released to VHS in 93, it apparently sold over 10.8 million copies in the first week See, that it came out. That's why the $2 million thing doesn't quite make sense. Because... But does it make sense that that was an opening weekend number? Or no, that doesn't make I sense. I don't know either. because... I... I, I they talk about in Little Mermaid how it didn't have a huge opening weekend, but it just never stopped. Like it, the next weekend, it like oh, took okay. off. So yeah, I don't so know. I don't know what that fact I don't was know. from. But guys, do, we're we're not we're lovers, not experts. We're just true. reporting the facts we find. <laughs> we we do print retractions though on the Facebook. Page, oh my as god! You'll see, in rescuers down under. <laughs> we, we said a lot of wrong things, things on. Rescuers. Uh, <laughs> But, There's no cotton in Australia. Major export cotton. I was like, okay, well, never mind. <laughs> uh. In total, they estimate that the VHS copy sold 25 million copies. Yeah. In total. And it held that record until The Lion King. Well. So I think that's what we're going to see happening with these next couple movies is it holds the record until the next Disney movie comes out. Well, speaking of the VHS copy, 
Is it time? Is it? T- I think it's time. Do you, you got anything? Anybody have anything else they want to share on this? Or nah, I'm ready. Well, let's take that V at that ten point. I have lost your number already. She's looking. I have to look back at my notes. That's the funny thing. Ten point okay. eight million copies. Let's take one of those ten point eight million copies of the VHS out of the clamshell and stick it in the VCR. All right. See you on the other side, listeners. Listeners, we are back and we are very excited to talk about it. Uh, No surprise here. I took a lot of notes. We're going to try to breeze through it, but we do have lots of feelings. Tara took a little bathroom break before this and Tommy and I just started, just barreled into what we thought. And I was like, wait, we have to stop. (laughs) We have to save this. We couldn't contain Um, ourselves. I know. It's so good. Number one, like The Little Mermaid is such a good movie based on how we got to it in this podcast. This one I had legit, like, this is almost as good as Little Mermaid to me. It probably is a little better if I had just jumped into it. Mm-hmm. I had, and you probably you probably heard me over the recording, like, I was having legitimate belly laughs at this one. It's the funniest one. I laughed a lot in this one. I think for me, it's a close second to Little Mermaid because I got, I got so surprisingly emotional when I watched Little Mermaid. Like, I didn't expect to be emotional, and I was, like, sobbing during it and everything. And I didn't sob here, but there is a lot of emotion here where I could see people, like, we're going to dive right into the spoilers, but at the end where, like, the genie and Aladdin kind of say goodbye to one another, I feel like is a very heartfelt moment. And then, of course, the genie is very comedic after that. I have some very cynical thoughts about the end. We'll get there when we get there. (laughs) Not not super cynical, but just some things I want to point out. Tommy, what was your takeaway? Oh, I definitely agree with you guys. I thought it was hilarious. There are so many many little things, little mannerisms that you don't pick up on until you're an adult. Lots of little Abu things that... When you see it when you're seven or eight years old, you just think he's making a silly monkey noise. And then you're an adult and you're like, oh, he's like calling out to Aladdin a little bit here. Or Well, we also had subtitles on, which literally was having him oh. say like, Aladdin, no. And I was like, oh, you had subtitles on your, I didn't have subtitles on my side. Oh, it doesn't pop on, on yours if it's yeah. on ours? Mm-mm. Oh, interesting. Frank Welker, who did the voice of Abu, um, I don't know if you heard this in the other episodes. He's done, he did like Slimer and Ray from the real Ghostbusters. He did and Joanna Mega- from Rescuers yeah. Down Under. Mega- Megatron on on uh, Transformers. He uh he, he in his thing he talks a lot about how like he does varying degrees of how animalistic Abu is versus how like human human he is because mm-hmm. there's parts where he's literally in his funny mm. little monkey voice that I'm not even gonna try here. Yeah, his <laughs> facial expressions too. Abu oh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. so expressive, and um, I love that about I, Abu. Abu great as an elephant as well. Fantastic as an elephant. I love yeah. that he still has the vest. And the hat. When he's the elephant and the hat. The fez. I gotta say, like, I talk about how Little Mermaid sets the standard for certain things we do, like the villain, the princess, this, this, and this. I think this sets the standard, we'll get to it, for sidekicks and henchmen. I was gonna say that too, because you've got, like, two... Uh, sidekicks, right? You've got Abu in the carpet, and I yeah. feel like in Lion King, well, and the, you and have the Timon and Genie. And, yeah. and Genie, yes. Yeah. But I would even... I don't know. Genie's I, like a buddy. Eric yeah, Gold, Eric I feel Goldberg like Genie's so much more than a sidekick. He's like Eric the donkey to, the, to Aladdin's Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay. Eric, Eric Goldberg said he viewed this as the first Disney buddy comedy. Mm, I would agree. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. 
I, uh, but Iago, like, that's the one thing, oh, I, yeah. that's I, the biggest lacking thing to me in The Little Mermaid is Flotsam and Jetsam are fine. I know, and we did talk about that. No, Iago shine, outshines oh my, them for I sure. I laughed yeah. so hard at some of his stuff. Part of that is the delivery, part of that is how he's animated, and I never realized he had teeth, and then you pointed that out, and <laughs> yeah. all I could do was look at his teeth. This whole um, time. <laughs> but, no, he's hilarious, and I, I think it was right for them to switch their personality types early on. I think if had Jafar had been the hot-headed one, I don't mm. think he would have been as menacing. He, in, at moments, is terrifying. Well, the other thing I like about them is, and when we get to Henchman, we'll just say ditto when we get there. Yeah. But the other thing I like about Iago and Jafar is, he's, Jaf- Iago is just, you know, comic relief beat up a lot. But he, it's not like the hyenas and, and Scar where he clearly looks down on them. Like, mm. like Jafar and Iago kind of are a little, are very close. Like Iago comes up with the plan. Well, I will at one say point. behind closed doors. Like whenever they're yes, out yes, in yes, public, yes, yes. he's he's like closing his beak to mute him. He's slamming him in that door because he's like being obnoxious. Well, I think he, Jafar just treats people like that. That's true. But there yeah. was something they said where they wanted them to have. They have the same goals and they want the same thing and things like that. There's the scene where they go. They're talking about what's going to happen to me. Goes or beheaded, and they both go. and they do it together they're like a good comedy duo Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's true so i i I agree with yeah i agree you're probably right he does beat up on him and that scene they did a bunch of uh, things in a a making of that was like here's the rough pencil sketch of that scene here's they had everyone they they redid the thing and they kept doing the scene where he kicks (laughs) iago into the door (laughs) and i watched it like five times in the making of and i laughed every time Mostly because when Iago is walking out the door, he's just like, he looks, he's dum, like, dum, dum, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. he looks so chipper. Uh-huh. And I'm just and like, oblivious. why is he walking like that? Because that's not his character. Like, also, first of all, why flies. is he walking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so silly. But I'm like, this is the best. I'm sorry. Um, totally fine. Do, do we want to kick in on it? Yeah, we can jump in. And again, I have like four pages, but okay, I'm going to try, gonna try to our best. Yeah. It, but I like couldn't help it. I just had to write this, stuff down. This one does deserve some time. So. Yeah, yeah, I do want to share. So I think that this warning is now at the beginning of mm. Dumbo, of Peter Pan, of several films. But we've already watched those. So these this warning did not exist when we watched those. When we went to put on Aladdin before the castle opens and before the music starts, there is several sentences versus just like, one or two words about cultural depictions and things like that. And so Ryan looked it up. This program depicts negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then and are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. I don't think this is the one we saw. It's similar to this. This, I think, Mm. is the Dumbo and whatever one. Oh, you don't think that's the one we saw? I don't think that's the one we saw, but they had one similar to it. Let me go ahead and continue this one. Disney is committed to creating stories with inspirational and aspirational themes that reflect the rich diversity of the human experience around the globe. To learn more about how stories have impacted society, visit www.disney.com backslash stories matter. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think that second part was I don't either. But there was definitely something in there that was talking. The beginning sounds the same. Yes. Like I said, this is something that is programmatically added at the beginning and it gives you like 10 seconds to read it. 
Um, so we missed it. Uh, we may try and get it again and put it up. But yeah, and just do a snapshot yeah. of it. But I'm interested to go to this website. Similar. I, yeah, I'd love to go to the website. And it's similar to what we talked about. I think it was in Peter Pan. We talked about how Warner Brothers had a more descriptive thing about it was not okay then. We're recognizing it. And now it seems that Disney has now done mm-hmm, the same, mm-hmm. which I'm happy. It took them a little bit more time than I would have liked it to take them. But I am happy that they've made that correction and they've acknowledged it. And I think that that shows they're trying to go that extra mile, which I I think is important. I think the big acknowledgement of saying it wasn't cool back then is, is, is a a minor step on the like ladder to Yeah. I don't think it's a great step, but but I I think think it needs to happen. Yes. I think being able to, cause I think for a long time, we all as a culture, well, for once, I feel like uh, as a white person, I can make this statement, but the <laughs> statement is also how like stupid white people are. I think as 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 the unfortunate like purveyor of this attitude, we said we white people said for a long time, well, it, it's okay because it's old, and it's like no, it's not okay. It wasn't okay then. Yeah, but but it exists, it's and we don't want to we don't want to erase yeah. it in its entirety because you don't want to you have people watch Peter Pan and go. What's wrong with Peter Pan? Like, if you took everything out, you're yeah saying, taking yeah. out the you know there's this is way a little off topic. There's a there's a wrestler I watch named Cody Rhodes who has a a an African American always comes wife. back to wrestling. Yeah, listeners. Cody and Brandy Rhodes, <laughs> and he said this big thing where once he told her after they married, he's like, "Well, I don't see color," and she said, "Well, then you don't see me." And I always think about that of the like we need to recognize the story instead of just pretending it doesn't happen. Yeah. So I think it's important to own up to it, to say it's there. And I like the thing that, that Disney, we talked about this, I think, on the last one a little bit. They're doing where it's um, Peter Pan and Dumbo. You just can't get to them immediately if you're a kid. If you have the kid if filter on, the kid on Disney+. Filter. Plus, Yeah, mm-hmm. there's like an so extra step. It's not taking it down. It's not censoring it. But it is kind of saying we want the parents to be the one to do that. Yeah, giving, giving a choice is important, I think. Um. Let's let's save this for the cultural depictions. Sure. I'm sure it'll come up. I'm yeah. going to say let's cover it now. Let's uh, go ahead and get started. So we see the smoke and the music, and of course it's the Arabian Nights music, and like I immediately transported me. I was like, yes, I'm here for it. Like moment <laughs> one from that music and the opening title. So we see Aladdin as the opening title almost immediately. It happens very yeah, quickly. Yeah, I was thinking about that. It was very quick yeah, compared fast. to a lot of the others. Yeah. I feel like most modern movies have like prologues now. Well, and Beauty and the Beast, I think, had a prologue, like talked about, I think, Yes. Yeah, story. that's so, true. Yeah, so I I always find the opening credit sequences interesting mm-hmm. with each film and the choices they make. And so we see the view of the palace. I also have it written in my notes as castle, so I might interchangeably say both, but hmm. they reference it as palace in here, but in my brain I reference it as castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we see the opening, the marketplace, the city, and the opening narrator. And that poor camel is so tired. Did you see how tired that camel was? <laughs> I mean, I guess he did go across the desert into the marketplace, but I the camel just like passes out. Let me let me bring up one thing. It's you have the singing voice of that character, which we need to look up who that is or, or give him some credit yeah. somewhere. And I will say, and probably part of it is you actually hear Robin Williams' singing voice later. This is the only time because the singing voice of Aladdin and Jasmine are not the same actors as speaking, mm-hmm. and they right. sound like they they sound very very close. And si- good. They sound similar. This yeah. is the only time I went. Oh, these sound like two different people, mm-hmm. and it's fine. Robin Williams doing his little bit as the uh, junk sale seller. Yeah, is the really merchant. F- I guess. Yeah. He, 
the Tupperware bit, I don't remember laughing. I was like, oh, it's the Dead Sea Tupperware. <laughs> Still good. Yeah. <laughs> like, really that joke was funny. And yeah, he has a, but that was that bit that I was yeah. telling you about that they gave him that table or whatever. Um, but then he immediately shows the lamp and he goes, let me tell you this tale. So it's clear that this tale has already happened. He's taking us back to the past because he says, let me tell you the tale of this lamp. And so a boy more than he seems a diamond in the rough. And we talked about that at the start of this, you Mm -hmm. know, that, um, that's kind of what this is all based on is him having the confidence in himself. And so that's pretty clear from moment one. And then what I find interesting, we're not introduced to Aladdin. We're not introduced to Jasmine. We're introduced to Jafar and Iago first. Oh, yeah. I the already first, forgot that scene. Like, the first just characters that we're introduced and Gazim. to. Yeah. Oh, and Gazim. Yeah. yeah. But I just find that interesting. And I was trying to think back when we see the villains in their first scene, we are already given the story, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've met some characters. And I feel, you know, I have to go back and think on each villain. Um, and their introduction, but I think this is the first time that we meet the villain before we meet anyone else that's main yeah. to the story, that's like yeah. a main character. So I found that interesting. Um, and we see the scarab, and as that gets put together, it finds the Cave of Wonders, and the scarab is actually the eyes, I'm pretty sure, yes. right? Of the mm-hmm. of the Cave of Wonders. Was and there a scarab toy you could get from yes, like Burger King? Yes, it was King plastic. There yes. definitely was. It. it was like a compass yes. or something Okay, inside. yeah. So I'm going to be posting a lot of merch on the uh, Facebook uh, website because I could go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I don't know. But there was also a plastic lamp that you could rub and it would spin almost like a yep. magic eight ball. Yep. Yes. You oh, I totally dance. remember that. Oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> what was it? Was it? Was it? Was it a Burger King or McDonald's merch? Was that? No, what I think they were actual like licensed merch. I don't think those were things you could get. I mean, there were McDonald's toys, but the lamp, I know for a fact, you bought at, like, Toys R Us. Yes. Mm. I'm always hesitant to go down this road because I feel like it could be opening the flood. The That's floodgates. why I was, like, all posted. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm no, glad No, I mean, all... I would... I, there's part of me that wants the magic lamp. Well, able. there's one now after the new movie, and I don't care for it because I think it's uh, Will Smith's voice, and it's, like, more digital yes, and yeah okay. but yeah uh we meet Kazim and we realize that Jafar is trying to hire someone to get this lamp out of the cave of wonders and Kazim is just like a humble thief and we realize that it can't be just anybody that goes into this cave it has to almost kind of be like this chosen one um that the cave of wonders says and the cave of wonders disappears so it like comes up out of the sand and then it's gone like as mm-hmm. soon as it's there and then we zoom in on Jafar's face. There's a lot of good close-ups of Jafar. Yes. And so that's a yeah. good one. And then it cuts to Aladdin. And basically, we are introduced to Aladdin, how he's making his living, stealing bread, and then it introduced to the song One Jump. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really going to describe all that unless you had favorite moments from this. I mean, there are so many good moments within each musical number, which I'm happy yes. to talk about. I just don't want to describe it in detail because I feel like it's better to just watch it. This was in the documentary I saw the uh, scene that they did live action reference for. Oh, okay. So I'll post that up. That's Hi, great. Max. Oh, oh yeah. Max. She came up yes. to join our podcast. Uh, but I really like, I know you said you don't like the one jump song as much. I agree with you. It's not my favorite song, but as soon as it picked up, I was in it and I was with Aladdin and excited about it. And so this whole chase scene happens and this is where we see Aladdin's character at the end. They get away, him and Abu, and Abu takes that giant bite out of that piece of bread (laughs) and Aladdin goes to eat his bread and he sees two 
what presumably could be orphans to mm-hmm. children who are kind of looking for food and, and kind of rummaging for stuff and he gives his bread and then eventually Abu feels guilty and gives his peace mm-hmm. as well. And so we see Aladdin's character very early on that, you know, he doesn't have much, but what he has, he's willing to give to others. I like Abu being around and having kind of worse qualities than Aladdin Mm because it kind of shows what he easily could do. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. it shows that Aladdin is making Abu better too, Mm -hmm. right, by his actions. And so then we it cuts to the prince. Prince, is it Ahmed? Yes, the one who is going to whip the kids who they ran out. And then Mm -hmm. Aladdin just takes the whip on his forearm. (laughs) And I'm like, no, 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 that would hurt. (laughs) But he stands up to the suitor like he doesn't even think about it. He stands up for those kids. He stands up to the suitor. He kind of talks back and insults the suitor. And then that's... Oh, he says it's it's rare you see a horse with two behinds. Yeah. That was a good joke. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the suitor calls him a street rat and worthless. Mm -hmm. And so he's kind of frustrated by that. And then we get that reprise. And it reminds me of Belle's reprise. When she's at the reprise to Bonjour, when she's out in that field. The song is not called Bonjour. I... I do that every time. I know. Not, but I can't remember what it is called. I don't remember. And I've played it. I don't it. either. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to not call it Bonjour because it, it opens with Bonjour. I think it's called Bell. It might be Bell. It yeah. might be. But it's kind of a similar reprise where he's kind of up on the top of uh, the buildings where he sleeps and kind of talking about, I'm so, there's so much more to me. He's mm-hmm. got a nice high rise apartment considering. I love where right? he lives. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and the other thing I will say is if you played this video game as much as I did, but also I've played it recently <laughs> on Switch, it was really hard in those scenes that the video game was based oh, on to yeah. not think when, about uh, the video mm-hmm. game. When, well, it, it, that's what I'm saying is they obviously really watched it and thought about it because, you know, it's when Abu scenes. grabs him and they spin around the thing, like there's a whole scene where you're grabbing onto the things and spinning mm-hmm. around to and get when to the you, next. And when he has that... Um, it's a carpet, and he's yeah. like, like goes. All you got to do is jump. Like that's a whole yeah, bit in the that's, game. That's yeah. what I'm saying about these games. Is these games like for a '90s licensed game? Like they're so, they're solid to their source Lots material, of detail. and yeah. they're a decently fun platformer. Mm-hmm. There's every once in a while there's a, a level that's too much, but you know that yeah. was kind of the thing back then. It's more of the save system. Does anybody else want to talk about this as much as I do? <laughs> okay, right. No, uh, but I will also say his view is fantastic. He has a view of the palace, right? And so that's mm-hmm. kind of how he daydreams. So now we cut to the morning. We're in the palace, and the prince is stormed off, and his bottom on his pants has been ripped, and you can see his underwear. <laughs> he said I don't that know so how like, else. Can I say bottom? Can I on say like, how else do I describe this? Uh, but, um, we realize that Raja, Jasmine's pet tiger, has basically bit the trousers or the pants and off I, of this suitor. I just want to point out again, Cave of Wonders, Abu, and Raja, all the same actor. Which is fascinating, because yes. they're all drastically yeah. different. Um, and that's how we get introduced to Raja, the Sultan, and Jasmine. And Raja, you know, Jasmine says, oh, he was just playing. And we really get a sense of her, I don't know if it's her independence, I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for. But she knows what she wants. You know, she's even if she can't pinpoint it, she knows she doesn't want that suitor. She knows she wants more than this life. And yeah. she's willing to stand up for that pretty early on in the film. It's it's a little bit of Belle. It's like I'm stuck where I don't want to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's also the the you're identifying it as 
you know, and they, they do it later when they meet that it's something Aladdin wants. And she's like, it's not all. It's, they both feel yeah. trapped in their lives. Yeah, in It's like the gr- grass is always greener kind of syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. I like Jasmine a lot. Oh, I love like, Jasmine. Yeah. Watching her she's story, also beautiful. She's gorgeous. She doesn't yeah. have a ton of I, agency in a lot of things, but that's kind of the idea that she's trying to break out of. I like, also love her personality. Yes, mm-hmm. I, that's yeah. what I'm saying. She's yeah. very, she's not like. Oh, Aladdin! Like she's, she's not more a than a pretty face. I think yeah. she's gorgeous, but I did want to say, like, she seems reiterate that. Yeah, she's yeah. clever. She helps Aladdin out too throughout. She's so clever. I, yeah, let's we're, get to we're the market because yes. I love that scene. Uh, but we find out that she needs to marry a prince by her next birthday, which is in three days, and she wants to marry for love. So that's kind of what we find out. The Sultan wants her taken care of, um, and she talks about never being outside the palace walls. So this is where we get that, you know. I don't know anything like I only Mm -hmm. know what's inside the palace and she's setting the birds free as kind of that imagery of like these birds can fly wherever they want. Of course. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, (laughs) like I just, it's so obvious and you say it and I'm like, caring for the birds and then she sets them free. Yeah. Uh, but she sees, we see the shadow of Jafar before we see Jafar towering over the Sultan. I love the height difference of Jafar and the Sultan. Well, they also have established this bad guy, but they haven't said how, how he relates. He fits in. Yeah, yeah, so now, so it's now like, we oh, know how he's guy. connected. He's the trusted advisor. And from moment one, we see he has control over the Sultan because he hypnotizes him with his staff. So mm-hmm. that's pretty clear. That's a toy. I've seen yes, that toy that's, too. That was yeah. a toy. Oh, yeah. definitely. There's lots of good merch for this film. This is funny. I didn't, um, I didn't think we were, like, I didn't know his study on. <laughs> this i'm so glad we're talking about it he also talks him into giving up the family blue diamond which i didn't remember that playing a part but it's what he needs to like create everything to figure out who the chosen one is i think it's just a quick macguffin to show him like he's able to get something important yeah Yeah. manipulates the sultan that's true so jasmine sneaks out and runs away and now it's the next day in the marketplace and um we see Abu and Aladdin, this is how they make their living. They steal from the fruit vendor. And it's very much that. It's kind of like Oliver and company when the dogs, the one goes the out to get, yeah, 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 to gets hit by the car. And then the other ones go in and get whatever out of the car. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a similar like switcheroo. Like Abu pretends to steal. And then while the vendor's looking that way, then Aladdin grabs Well, the but food. then they just crack it open and eat it on top of his roof. So if he just was like, hey. Like, yeah, that's a good it. point. Um, the brazen yeah Yeah. (laughs) the merchants are all trying to sell to jasmine you know you're such a pretty lady do you want this do you want that and aladdin immediately falls for her you can tell that like from moment one he notices she's different she's got this striking beauty even though she's kind of wrapped up so nobody can kind of really tell who she is Mm -hmm. and a boy is hungry and she just gives him an apple because she doesn't know and this reminded me of italy when we picked up that fruit and we didn't know you weren't supposed to touch the fruit. oh yeah yeah yeah. if you're ever at a in an open in air market in mm-hmm. Italy, don't like look and squeeze the fruit. Like you go, like you I would like apples, what you want, and, they and, the uh, and then because, they get it for but you. Then of course yes. it's like, excuse my Italian, but it's like, like everyone like started like going at us. Like I didn't know what to do. We're like, no, we'll pay for whatever we touch. Like, we're I so it, sorry. I think like, that's what they thought. Like, I'm not stealing it. And they're like, don't touch it, but yeah. in Italian, and I'm like, yeah. Ah. Yeah. So we did. We paid for everything. We we only touched one or two things. We only stole a few things. Yeah. Stop. We Works of art that had treasures in oh them. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, so basically, the vendor thinks she's stealing and she tries to say, I know the Sultan. And he goes, Do you know what happens to those who steal? And he puts her arm out 
on the this is a that's one of those moments you know of, they i remember i remember this move it was like a thing you knew they did in the middle was east cut your hand yes your it finger. was that it was yeah. this it was robin hood prince of thieves it yeah. was that sort of mm-hmm. thing so that was great yeah and it's interesting because i started thinking like like you ever have like an argument with yourself <laughs> like i'm like someone else going well that's what they did back then and i'm like yes but we look at like night let's look at the european fantasy that we as an anglo society look at a lot and we always romanticize that yes because but, but mm-hmm. you know knights did terrible stuff culture. yes yeah. and then we we look at the bad things this other culture did and we bring that up to the forefront so yes. there's you know anyway that's just my let me step off the soapbox no um, but it's a good point to make but this is where we get to the point where aladdin jumps in and is like you found my sister he's like she said she knew the sultan right. she thinks the monkey is the sultan and when Jasmine like starts in on it, like... she's great. She is just <laughs> yeah. as cunning as Aladdin. And it... her eyes, the way they animate her eyes, she's like, "Hello, uh, doctor." Hello, doctor. <laughs> too to the what was it? A camel? Yeah. I think she talks yeah. to. But and Abu jumps in pretty quickly too. Now again, Abu's used to being a con man, but still, yeah. I it, it's funny how they do Abu because I don't know if he's in on the con or he just likes being referred the to as the Sultan. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's a great scene. That even if you have seen this recently just go watch that scene go find it on youtube it's fantastic uh but then it cuts back to jafar and this is where he's creating the storm iago is like running around gears and he's using that diamond um to find out who is this very frankenstein-y yes who's this diamond in the rough and can we also talk about his lair like it's interesting to me because it's obviously secret because he like pulls on this little chain and then, like, the door is, like, a trap door. So does he not want them to know where he lives in the palace? So this is funny because I didn't realize this. And they were talking about, again, that scene where he walks out and, like... Yeah, because the so door, So that like, room is his room the in the palace. Oh. And I never see it because they do such a quick look and it looks like there's just a sofa in the middle. So that's where they that's think he's his, staying. Yes, that's and where he lives. He and has he, a secret the lair. lair. Yes. Mm. I, okay, that's now, really cool. I, I was love 39 that. years old when I learned this yeah. and I had to be told it very explicitly in a thing. I wish so. we had gotten to see that a little bit more, but I love that idea that yes. he's found this secret place or he's built this secret place within the palace yes, yes, for yes. him to do all his So that's evil. how he goes. That's when he, why he goes back there when he's like banished later Got and it. they don't know where he is. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, so he finds out it's Aladdin and he wants the guards to invite him, invite Aladdin to the palace. And so we find out Jasmine's a fast learner. I love this bit again of Aladdin jumps over the building with like a stick and then puts almost like a piece of wood down for Jasmine to walk on. And she does the same thing Aladdin does. Mm -hmm. She's very adventurous and very quick kind of on her feet. And we see that throughout um, and this is where they start talking about um, feeling trapped in life, them mm-hmm. both feeling trapped. You know, he's daydreaming about living in the palace and she's saying it's not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, so this is the first time we hear Aladdin say, do you trust me when the guards go to get him? So Jasmine thinks the guards are after her. Aladdin thinks they're after him. They are after him um, because of Jafar's order. And so this is the first time he says, do you trust me and jump? And so that comes back into play mm-hmm. later. And so I was talking about this with Tommy about how they do a good job of every, I may have said this on air. I don't think I did about everything that they comes up later. Like they, they do a good job of foreshadowing the, mm-hmm. the, the small hourglass is the same hourglass. He traps Jasmine and later. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's done it yet, but Iago imitates the princess just as a joke. So that later when he, does it for real you know he's a mimic you know he can do that this, yeah this they do a real like 
it's a really good stri- s- s- script doctoring. I don't know if that is the people who did the original storyboards, or if that's the guys. I, I said this when we were watching it. It's the same writers who did Pirates of the Caribbean, mm. so I'm, which I think is a pretty solid script, the first one. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that's them or yeah, something else. Or maybe anyway. a combination of both. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is where we find out that they're coming to get Aladdin, and then she says, unhand him by order of the princess. So now Aladdin <clears> knows <throat> she's the princess. You know, she takes off. Um, so they can see it's her. And they said, well, there's not much we can do. Our orders came from Jafar, so you have to take it up with him. So again, Jasmine immediately goes to confront him. And I wrote here that he has Scar vibes here. And I guess it's really the other way around. Scar has Jafar vibes because he's very yeah. Sickening, yeah. Yeah, sickeningly sweet, though, even in his language of be- playing that. That false sense of oh, sincerity. Dear. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like playing like he doesn't know uh, yes. what he's done. And then he says, well, I, I didn't know that he was a friend of yours, you know, death by beheading. And yes. and so now she's upset and she's sobbing. Um, so now cut to Aladdin's in prison with Abu. And I love that Abu in his jacket, of course, he knows how to pick locks. Like, he opens his vest and well, has all this lock-picking stuff. He does it like it's not the first time he's done this for Exa- a Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they've been in this situation before. Yeah. So then this old man, I love Jafar as this old man. Oh, I love his horrifying. rotted out teeth. Yeah, with that one gold tooth. Him. Yes, and, and then the he goes, teeth are so long. And then the, yeah. the sound of him doing that real close-up smile, it's like a creaking door. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, God, I hate it. <laughs> Uh, and it's a really good disguise. And so he brings him to the cave. Uh, you hear the cave say nothing but the lamp. And he promises him a reward. And I wrote here, I love Abu's facial expressions. We've talked about that earlier. But Abu just threw out this whole thing, you know, him looking at all the treasure. And Aladdin constantly having to remind Abu, like, no, no, mm-hmm. that's not what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Then they meet the magic carpet. And so much personality in the carpet. So much personality in a rectangle that has no voice. Yeah. Like, not even sound effects. Yeah. Also, yeah. another toy was a plastic carpet that had wheels on it. Underneath yes, it so I could, remember mm-hmm. that. Yep. Okay. So I can't help. I am so excited by how much we're remembering the Burger King toys. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't know that if that was a Burger King toy or if that was like you get the Sultan with all the figurines and you get the carpet. I can't oh. remember. I'm going to look mm. it up, but I'll look it up after this. Uh, but it'll be on the Facebook page. But anyway, the carpet shows them to the lamp. The lamp is up so high. Aladdin climbs all these steps up to get it. And of course, Abu sees the forbidden treasure. He sees that jewel. And immediately after he picks it up and the cave starts like saying infidels, he just like sneakily is like, sorry, and like goes to put it back. And then everything starts to melt fire. It's very intense. This whole scene I thought was kind of scary. Um, yeah, I, I got total Indiana Jones vibes from that scene. Yeah. Like when he picks up the lamp, and it's not like he's switching the package like an Indiana Jones, but he looks down and it's like, oh no. And then everything mm-hmm. kind of falls in on him. Then what winds up happening is the carpet gets trapped under a rock, and Aladdin is able to grab onto a step, but everything else is kind of disintegrated because it's all sand. And so the old man, which is Jafar, is wanting the lamp. Aladdin's asking for his help. He grabs the lamp and he goes to stab him. And that's the creepiest with yes. that old man wild eyes. <laughs> he just grabs uh, with, a knife and is like, oh. Yeah, with that like wild. You could have just let go. He'd be- <laughs> with that very yeah. like crazy knife. And Abu bites him. And then the carpet winds up saving Aladdin as he falls. Mm-hmm. And so then it's revealed that Abu pickpocketed Jafar yes. and had the lamp. So 
we cut back to the palace. Jasmine's upset, tells the Sultan about what happened with Jafar, and Sultan, of course, wants to set it right. Then we go back to Abu, produces the lamp, rubs the lamp. Genie I have in all caps, and it's bigger than the rest of my handwriting, because this is where we see Genie. <laughs> uh, he explains that Aladdin's now his master, you know, Genie of the Lamp, three wishes, only three. Then we go into Friend Like I, Me, another well, whole sequence that is amazing, but I feel like you really just need to rewatch it if you haven't seen it in a while. Genie is a metamorph. He can change different people. Yeah. He can like affect other things around him. He's anachronistic in that he's making like modern references and mm-hmm, stuff like but that. But I still find them funny. And I know as a kid, I didn't get half of those references. I didn't know those actors he was referring to at, right. mm-hmm. at the age I was when I saw it. And I found them funny then. And then I found them funny now because I know who almost every one of those people were that he impersonated. Yes. I, uh, yeah, it's it's weird that it's, it's they did a good job of picking very timeless things. Yeah, and things that I think yeah. could hold their own, even if you didn't know the like specific reference. And if you don't, like it goes so fast. Like the the only one that's popping to mind that I can understand, like a kid now being like, "Who the heck is that?" Is like Rodney Dangerfield being like, "I'm losing to a rug." Well, and does like, he imitate? Is it Carson? He does Arsenio Hall Arsenio at one Hall. point. Yeah, yeah. Um, he might do both because I don't see you mistaking Carson for Arsenio. No, Hall. I wouldn't have. Carsonio but... Hall. What? Yeah, no, no, he does a different one that feels like a talk show host, and I thought maybe Don't he's like, what's your name? Like, yeah. Aladdin. Yeah. I don't um, know if you guys noticed this in that in that kind of part. So, like, when you first meet the genie, right? So, like, he's imitating all of these different voices, right? And he's, he's imitating all these different characters, and it's so varied and so, like, unique, each one. He chooses a different person. But then when they get into, like, into the, into the song, Friend Like Me, right? I... Listening to this for the first time in, I don't, I probably haven't seen this movie in a decade. I noticed so much that the tempo in the song was really flexible. Like there were a lot of, there's a lot of push and pull and like it would get faster and it would get slower and it was really kind of subtle and it was kind of subtle in the same kind of way that Robin Williams would transform sort of from one character to another. So I kind of, it might just be like the musician and me reading into it, but the song kind of reflected in its construction the kind of manic schizophrenic kind of way that that Robin Williams changed his characters. Well, I wonder yeah. if they like gave him just like a bass recording to sing off of, and then like he's not a musician. Yeah, true. So oh, that's that a good point too. Well, and know. his energy watching any of his stand-ups, for lack of a better word, I don't necessarily want to use this term, but he has a manic energy. Yeah, he has a yeah, frantic, totally. Maybe yeah, a absolutely. Frantic energy is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, frantic is probably so, a better word. Yeah, uh, and so I feel. Um, that's a great observation and I find that interesting and it would be interesting to know, you know, who was imitating who there, right? Was he imitating yeah. the music? And so that's Yeah, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I love that observation. Um, so then the other thing I wanted to mention, I had this as a fact, that applause sign at the end of the song, the animators kind of put that in there kind of as a joke, but kind of to make, to have the audience applause because they were noticing in previews that in Beauty and the Beast, people applauded after every musical oh, right, number. Right, and yeah. that wasn't happening with Aladdin. So they put that in for people to applause, and then they just left it in. But it, Is it, that in nice. the in the play? Like, I feel like turning oh, off all know. the lights and just having one little A thing. A neon like, sign? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I think it was when I saw it at the Kennedy Center. Oh, yeah. that's great. I yeah. love that. So it feels like a real simple, easy joke to do. Like, yeah. 
And one that would translate with like it would be nice yeah, and bright yeah, yeah. in a dark theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he goes into the rules of wishes. And we talked about this. We just recently did DuckTales, the movie, which has a genie in it. And similar, similar yeah. rules. Um, you can't, he can't kill anyone. He can't make anyone fall in love. And he can't bring anyone back from the dead. And I love his like zombie oh, imitation. Yeah. That, is, that is Peter Lorre. He's imitating like it's an old 1940s actor who oh, okay. looks like that. And there's an, uh, yet another video where they go through all his impressions and they match him up with people. So oh, I might that's throw that fun. Up there. Um, I, I, so don't fall in love is so you can't skip to the end. <laughs> uh, can't kill anybody is so when Jafar gets the, the... You can't immediately defeat him. And can't bring anyone back from the dead is to give, I think, a sense of danger. Mm, that like you... Can die. You can die yeah. in this movie, even though they don't specifically say you can die. Yeah, oh, that's So I think it's very smart to do it that yeah. way. Yeah, smart to set up those rules. And I love here, we've seen how cunning Aladdin can be, but he tries to persuade Genie, and we see this later because Jafar falls into this trap. He's like, please, he can't even get us out of this cave. How is he going to grant me three wishes? And so the Genie, being so overly confident gets them out and we realize later Aladdin never wished for that to happen. The genie just made it happen. So Aladdin still has his three wishes after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I we, love that bit. Where he's yeah. Like, he's like technically, and that shows how much of a good con man he is. Exactly. Because yeah. that plays out through the whole thing. That's how he defeats Jafar. Spoiler alert. You know, it's all, yeah. he's, he's a con man, mm-hmm. but he's just a good guy con man. Yeah. And so we cut back to Jafar and Sultan and they're discussing the sentencing of prisoners and you know the Sultan is really trying to put his foot down but the Sultan is not a very imposing uh character no, he's but he's trying dip. he's trying to be for <laughs> yeah. Jasmine, right? Yeah. He's I feel like he's trying to stand up for he's, his daughter in that moment. He's got good intentions, but he's a ding-dong. Like, yeah. The whole, well, like, you see him well, playing sh- with toys? Like, he's playing with yes, those little animal really- things. He's kind of made to be very aloof, I guess. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Jafar's machinations have Oh, you think with his, hypnotizing have, him so much? Have, Maybe. Like, you go play with your toys, sir, if it's, like, kind of affected him. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of reading into it. I bit, kind of but. like reading into it in that way. And, of course, Jafar apologizes, and um, then you hear Jasmine again standing up, when I'm queen, I'll get rid of you. And this is where um, Iago starts talking about... What if you were the chump husband? Yes, and so becomes good. Sultan. Love, and the sinister it. laughing between the two of yes. them. I love mm-hmm. how that scene kind of cuts out there. So now we're back to the cave, back out of the cave. We see Aladdin still has his wishes, and then Aladdin immediately... Again, he goes to Genie. Well, what would you wish for? Yeah. And this is where we hear Genie dreaming about freedom, but my master has to wish it, and no one will ever do that. And then we see Pinocchio. He changes to Pinocchio and says, I love all sure, the, kid. There's a couple Disney references. Yeah, yeah. Sebastian. Like the Sebastian goofy at the end. Goofy, the goofy yeah. hat at the yeah. end, yeah. Uh, so Aladdin promises to set him free, and the first wish is make me a prince, and that's, you know, so he can meet Jasmine in that way. And that's when we see Abu change. And I love that Abu is scared of his reflection as the elephant. Like, he's so freaked out when he looks in the water and sees that. And then we cut back to the sultan stacking animals. They're like these, I guess they're glass. They're like little glass figurines. Um, And this is where Jafar comes in with, I have the solution to the problem with your daughter. You can choose a suitor for her. 
And if not, the princess can be married to the royal advisor. So it's clear that Jafar has made up that rule because he doesn't let the sultan look too quickly. And then he hypnotizes him again. I also want to point out, going back to this queer coding earlier, when Iago says, you should marry the the thing, Jafar's like, what? Like, like like it's such a thing to him i feel like that's doing a little bit of. when well, i feel there. like he hasn't thought of it too i think yes. he's so I, well i think it works both ways yeah agreed and it's and it kind of breaks down later when he's like again that's why he's queer coded and not flat out a queer character but when he's later he's like make the princess love me and i think it's less we'll get there in a sec but i think that's a less about he actually loves a princess and just i want wants the power yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so then we see Prince Ali, the song, the caravan, the opulence. And again, just go watch the scene. It's yeah, so man. good. It's but great. if there are things mm-hmm. you guys want to mention from it, go right ahead. It's amazing. I love I, this whole scene. I love the whole bit of Genie being in like human skin color. Yes, I do too. Yeah, blending in with the crowd. Uh-huh. And then running around. I and think, hyping the crowd. He's yeah. Aladdin's hype man. I mm-hmm. think, and we'll find this out when we watch the live action version, but I think that's a big part. I think will smith you know to save on sfx for one thing i think he spends a lot of time sfx is sound effects visual effects i think to spend time on that it's been to, to save money on that he spends a lot of time in the movie as like his a human, human version servant mm. but i love that they got that whole idea from from this this just scene of him like running around popping the car and be like i heard he's great i heard he's great yeah <laughs> it's so good uh it's really great and throughout the whole thing jasmine's rolling her eyes the sultan is pumped he is so yeah. excited he's like here for the show he's like a kid in a candy shop <laughs> he really is he's so joyful he's and so I'm... impressed by everything that aladdin brings it's just so yes, like opulent yeah. over the top and later Later, when he's asked to take a ride on the carpet, I love that Jafar, and I'm skipping ahead a a little bit here because I want to talk about something else, but I love that Jafar and Aladdin are kind of having a somewhat serious conversation. Jafar is trying to figure out, like, where are you from? And you just see the Sultan zooming around in the background on the carpet. It's so good. But um, we... uh, I love also that Jafar calls him Prince Abubu. Last yeah. night, Ryan and I just kept saying that. I just love Prince, the, Prince Abubu. Abubu. Because it's, it's and that, he delivers it in such a serious way, but it's so silly. Like it's it's beautiful. And the line that he delivers when he's like ecstatic. Yeah. When the Sultan is so excited yeah. to see him. Um, this is where they all start kind of discussing, like, we should do this for Jasmine. We should do this. Jafar even is like, I must protest. And well, and the Sultan says he's an excellent judge of character, which we, the viewer, know that that's not yes. true. And mm-hmm. then, but then Jasmine comes in and is like, I'm shame on all of you. I'm like, not a prize to be won. Yeah. I love that line so yeah. much. I think it really, you know, expresses what her character wants, and also like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like she's mad at Aladdin. Like, she's like, all of you, like, this is her whole life is just people deciding what she does. Yes. And so then it cuts to Abu trying to open bananas as an elephant. I just love that (laughs) moment. And you see the stack that he hasn't been able to do. And Genie and Carpet are playing chess. And this is where the first time that Genie really encourages Aladdin, you need to just be yourself. Tell her the truth. Like, you are worth it. Like, you're worthy. And he goes, no, I can't do that. So he goes to see her on the carpet. And this is where she starts to get an inkling when he takes the turban off. She 
sort of thinks that she recognizes him. And then Ryan made the point. <laughs> well, this is where we need to talk about the Clark Kent of it all. Like, yes. no one, she doesn't seem to recognize him because he's just wearing a hat. He's got a hat on. Yeah. Jafar yeah. is like, how do I know you? Like, it's like, come on. But I don't know. It works in animation. I'm and it works well here, I think, because we, we see when she catches on. She catches on in a couple different moments. Yeah. But I love that the genie turns into a bee and is trying to buzz around and giving Al, giving Aladdin advice, and then it mm-hmm. backfires. And then when Aladdin jumps off the balcony, she tells him, just jump off the balcony. And he goes, all right. And then, you know, we see the bit he's on the carpet. And so, you know, he asks, do you want to go see the world? And he knows that she does. Well, he also says, right? do you trust me here? Yes. And that's when she goes, that's her second. Oh, no, later when no, he's No, do on... you trust me first? The first. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when and she, starts she going... kind of has an inkling. And later it's the apple that I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, she he does the same like down his shoulder trick, which I'm. I, we got a bag of apples in the fridge. I'm You're going to try it. <laughs> Um, uh, but it cuts to the wonderful uh, or a whole new world. Yes, and he does uh, that, sequence. and that's, she does it again. And that's when I said, I don't think Jasmine's no dummy. She knows what's up. Yeah. Also, I love that the bird that was so shocked to see them flying in the sky, like all of a sudden they come on this magic carpet and that bird like squawks. Mm-hmm. I just, there are little details like that that I little love, uh, that I love. Um, but as he gives the apple, um, she then says, It's such a shame Abu had to miss this. And she's so smart. I love the intelligence of Jasmine because she is conning him just like he cons yeah. throughout the film. And he goes in and says, oh, yeah, and it starts talking about Abu. And then she gets pretty angry and says, do you think I'm stupid? You know, I wouldn't figure it out. Tell me the truth. And I wrote, ugh, here for Aladdin because this was obviously. Well, that's the carpet did the same thing where the yes. carpet's like. Yeah. This was his opportunity, and instead he says, I sometimes dress as a commoner, you know, royalty in disguise, and she can identify with that. So he drops her off. The carpet helps give him a boost. They kiss, and now they're both, you know, kind of in love with one another. But then everyone's captured by the guards and Jafar, and he wants to make sure he's never found. He does try to get rid of Aladdin. What is this, the second or third time he's tried to get rid of Aladdin at this point? Um, And... I didn't remember this part either, and neither did Ryan. They knock him out, and then they put a ball and chain on him and dump him into very deep water. It's kind of a dark moment um, to get rid of him, and the lamp is in the turban, and he winds up passing out, and like his hands just brush against it. And that's when Jeannie sees him, and he's Pops like... Pops out, and he's taking a bath. Yeah, comes out yeah. of a loofah. <laughs> yes, down. he's like, every time. And then he goes you need to say you're going to save my life. And I think Aladdin's head like moves the slightest bit. And he's like, that's close enough. And so he saves him. And then he turns into the Das Boot uh, submarine. And then the subtitle yeah. says like German babbling or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Uh, and it cuts back. Jasmine sing-songy. Sultan is hypnotized because Jafar's like, okay, Aladdin's gone now. Like you need to tell her we're going to be married. And then all of a sudden he comes back and he Aladdin's like, you know, he tried to have me killed and he breaks the staff. He sees that Jafar is hypnotizing the Sultan. So he breaks the staff, but then Jafar sees the lamp kind of in his pocket. And he did, this is where he disappears. He does Ninja like dust. That, yeah, that poof of magic. <laughs> yeah. And he's gone. And the Sultan um, calls on the guards to find him. And he sees that they're happy and in love. He's so excited. You guys are going to wed at once. You're going to become Sultan. And then that's when the reality of it really sinks in for Aladdin. He never thought past, I just want Jasmine and I to fall in love. Mm. He didn't think like what the consequences to that are. And so he's not really sure that he can go through with being Sultan. 
And then this is where Jafar and Iago are in the lair with the wild laughter. They have that wild laughter again when they realize he's got the lamp and sends Iago to go get it. That scene where he's discussing what to pack was apparently improvised. Oh, that's fine. I was wondering how much he improvised because he's another one that is somewhat of an improviser. So he did that scene. I saw some of that footage and he's like, what about this picture of Lawrence Welk? I always really liked it. Like, it's just like, they ended up with like, what about this picture? I think I look funny. You know, yeah, like. yeah. Um, so Aladdin's down and out. Uh, and the genie's like, well, now it's time for your third wish. You're going to free the genie. And this is when Aladdin says, I can't. I need you. I can't continue to pretend to be a prince without you because they're going to find out. And, you know, I can't set you free. And so then the genie's kind of like, well, you've lied to everyone else. And they kind of have a fight. He kind of, you know, Abu and Carpet kind of leave him at this point. And he goes to tell Jasmine the truth as the Sultan is announcing that they're to be wed. And this is where Iago impersonates Jasmine while he's also impersonating a flamingo. So he's impersonating. He's just on stilts and has like a fake nose. And this other flamingo like immediately falls in love with him. Yes. Um, (laughs) And so that's how they get the lamp. So uh, the whole kingdom, Aladdin doesn't get a chance to tell Jasmine because as soon as that happens, Jafar rubs the lamp. He's the master now. And his first wish is to rule on high as sultan. And the genie lifts the palace. And when the genie becomes like... Menacing genie. Yeah, yeah, with like oh, his no evil lifeless looking. eyes. Yeah, he has like mm-hmm. nothing, no like eyeballs. But they do a good job when they zoom up to him, when Aladdin zooms up to him on the carpet, like him looking like, I'm sorry. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. yeah. He's very, he's got a lot of emotion in the close-ups. But yeah, he picks up the palace and puts it up high on this mountain and he wants Jasmine and the Sultan to bow. Jasmine will never bow. And so then his second wish comes into play. Make me the most powerful sorcerer in the world. And then he sings the Prince Ali reprise, which is just as good as Prince Ali. I going, mean, going back to the, the queer coding, I, the article I read said that this, if you're into RuPaul's Drag Race, it sounds like uh, Jafar is reading Aladdin. Which he 100% is, is reading Aladdin because which, he's just... Talking about all his flaws. In, in drag culture is basically like dressing someone down. Yeah, verbally. you're kind of, you're calling them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, For certain things or, yeah. Yeah, so there. The, the, I, I, I would agree that that is what he's doing <laughs> and I love that reprise. And so he then sends... Well, Jonathan Freeman has a wonderful singing voice oh, that fantastic. I'm a little upset they didn't use I wish they more. used it more, mm. yeah. He got his own song finally in Return, in Return of Jafar. Of Jafar mm. Or Return of Jafar, yeah. So he sends Aladdin to the ends of the earth, wild laughter Whoopee! again. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's becoming unraveled more and more the more power he gets. And so Aladdin is in a very snowy, excuse me, snowy place. He finds Abu who's shivering. He finds the carpet who's frozen. This pillar like rolls off the cliff, but Aladdin, Aladdin cleverly like kind of jumps through the window as it's rolling off. And then we cut back to the palace and Polly want a cracker. So we did not mention that the whole time the Sultan tries to feed Iago these stale, moldy crackers. And Iago tries to get out of it, and there's a lot of comedic bits. So now the tables have turned, and Iago is basically choking the Sultan to death (laughs) with crackers. Um, Jasmine's chained up. Jafar offers the crown to her, and... I don't know what my note says there. Offering her crown. Throws While you're looking, she's got total Princess Leia vibes with Jabba there, right? She Jasmine does. does. Well, yeah. I mean, this is something I kind of want to talk about with the female character agency. There's a lot of like midriff outfits in this that I'm 
they seem okay, but it's like, if you're not the princess and you're not a peasant, you're clearly a harem woman, which is a little Yeah, like, the women iffy. in the marketplace, everyone yeah. but, like, there's a more full-figured woman yes. who's selling something, but, and she's, like, in rags, but other than that, yeah. yeah. it's, it's, there's a little, there's a little bit of that. Yeah, the, I would agree with that. But slave lay is a good way of putting yeah. it, yes. Um, and so, he, Also reminds me of the Chipettes in the Alvin and the Chipmunk movie. There's a movie, there's oh, a scene where they dance that. to... I think that was a little bit of an awakening moment for oh young Ryan, but they, they are in like that, those kind of outfits and dance to a snake. I don't know. We can talk about that in another episode. Okay. Uh, but he goes, <laughs> oh, hold, oh on. hold on. Lady might start barking. She did a little growl. Oh, hey, lady. Uh, so this is, I don't remember exactly what Jafar says because I can't read my handwriting here, but he goes to hit her, which is kind of intense. He goes to hit Jasmine and then... His number three wish is for Jazz, because I guess she talks back to him, and he wishes Jasmine to fall in love. And the genie's trying to explain, I can't do that. And then Jasmine sees Aladdin, and immediately she does that switch, like she does in the marketplace. And she starts to be absolutely in love, and the genie is so confused. He's like (laughs) looking at his finger. He's like, yeah, he's like, I didn't do that. What's going on? Uh, And then he sees Aladdin, and I love the animation when he's like, I can't, Al. I'm, I'm working with senior psychopath and he has the face of Jafar really quick on his (laughs) body. Uh, But Jasmine is trying to get Aladdin to the lamp. Iago causes the commotion. Jasmine kisses Jafar. And then in the reflection of her crown, he sees Aladdin. So that's how he knows Aladdin's there. She gets put in the hourglass. He unravels the carpet, which is really sad. And then Abu becomes like a monkey toy. And then Aladdin calls him a cowardly snake, and then he changes into the horrifying cobra. When he is the cobra and beyond, and also the evil genie, he is horrifying. I yeah, yeah. that's an evil looking Jafar. Yeah, like especially he's that wild. snake. He's like mm-hmm. coiling him up with his tail, and he's got the yeah. fangs. It's and like it the worst the of both room. worlds. Yeah, yeah. So genie, I also I laughed so much at genie cheering for Aladdin. Like he's our man. If he can't do it, and then when he Cheers for Jafar. He's like, if he can't do it, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then the sand, as uh, she's in the hourglass, the sand starts filling mm-hmm. up. And without, this is when Aladdin's like, without the genie, I'm nothing. And he, he starts saying, he starts manipulating Jafar mm-hmm. and conning Jafar and saying, well, wouldn't you want as much power as the genie? Like the genie has more power than you. And the genie doesn't really understand what's happening. <laughs> this made me laugh for there. It's like, it cuts the genie and he's like very small in the frame. He's like, Oh, what are you doing? Yeah. He's <laughs> like, like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I literally have, what are you doing in parentheses? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so his number three wish is to be an all powerful genie, have absolute power. And again, horrifying. He becomes this evil genie. Aladdin is able to bust her out of the hourglass as he's transforming into the genie. And this is where he says, trust me again. And he goes, he gets the shackles on him. He goes into the lamp and he takes Iago in with him and you can hear them fighting Mm -hmm. in the lamp. And so all of his magic, all of Jafar's magic is undone. And genie um, throws a pitch, uh, throws the the lamp into the cave of wonders for 10,000 years. Yeah. So that's the end of Jafar. I would now like to talk about the next resolution because it is Genie asks, says, Al, use your wish, make yourself a prince again. Aladdin makes, uh, frees the genie and then the Sultan, um, he says, I need to stop pretending something. Yes. I need to pretend to be something. I'm not, I'm sorry. And then the Sultan changes the law. A couple things there. Number one, 
there were, as far as I could see, at least seven more wishes sitting around that table that we could have cured all the poverty in Agrabah. <laughs> they could have cured diseases. Um, there's a couple, th- and they didn't need it. They said, Genie, we just need this for another 20 minutes. Or they could yeah. have explained to the genie. Like, I know he's worried. Like, just be like, hey, man, we needed to solve some stuff in this world. And they didn't. And then the big thing that the the, the Sultan seems to everyone's like, oh, Sultan, you know, like, thank you for clearing this. He could have done that from minute one. This could have been a shorter movie. <laughs> that is true. But I'm then we saying. wouldn't have had all the beauty that was in I'm between. just saying. There's a lot of things. I, I'm. A, they kind of neglected their power by just freeing the genie so quickly and then who's to say the genie can't also still do those things i'm curious well, what his power level magic. is that's yeah. what i was gonna question mm. because he's still magical after he's free yes like he's flying around and here is my second point i wanted to make okay did you notice that he immediately puts on like a a, a hawaiian shirt which feels another like another an, anachronistic uh character merlin yeah like that's their first thing when they leave magical anachronistic characters are like i gotta put on a hawaiian shirt and i gotta go go see the world i did feel though with the with the goofy hat he was going to disney world yes he was was, clearly going to orlando um but you know i do like the moment between aladdin and genie at the end i'm being cynical i think it really feels good for the character for aladdin to be able to say because that's the other thing like he could wish himself into a prince and then be like hey or jasmine you wish him free but I think it, it was important he, to the character that Aladdin do it. And he then proves his worth, yes. which is what the Sultan says. And then... Also, uh, you shouldn't have to prove your... This is another thing, but like... I think... Uh, I think the Sultan's worried, like, he doesn't want somebody to come in and just want their riches, right? Yes. So I, I, that's if, how I If everything I goes it, well but... and everyone does the right thing from minute one to the end of the movie, it's not an interesting movie. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. If but, I had three wishes, there's a lot of things we could figure out. Number one. Here we go. No, I don't know. Well, well that's a good question. That is a good question. What would our three wishes be? Three wishes is going to be hard. So everybody think about a wish. Mm. Okay, let's do one wish that's, that's altruistic. Ooh. Okay, so your third wish has to be you set the genie free. Okay. So you've got one altruistic wish and you've got one goofy wish. My, my first wish would be to cure diabetes. Okay. And then my second wish would be that... Uh, I don't know. We'll get back to me. Do you okay, guys have? I've a... got mine. Okay, go. My first wish would be to cure Alzheimer's. I feel like that's close okay. to me because mm. of um, who I work with. Uh, my second wish: I want to live on a farm of pit bulls. I just want. Ooh, I just okay. want lots of land and lots of pit bulls. That's a good idea. That's a good one. That's not doing goofy though. I was trying to think that's of a... not goofy, but, but, but for, it's fine. I think I it like fits it. for me. What do you got? Uh, my altruistic wish is for the Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl because it'll bring a lot of joy to. <laughs> okay. No, I, no. My, my altruistic wish would be for, um, well, I guess the teacher in me would say uh, for every child not to be hungry. I would say is a big thing. Okay. Um, my goofy, silly wish would be the power of flight, definitely. Ooh, that's a good one. My goofy, yeah. silly wish is that this oh, podcast man, takes might... off. <laughs> we have more than double-digit listeners. I change my goofy one. <laughs> I always one. say I'm holding out for teleportation. Oh, that's your superpower? Oh, yeah. that's a good one. Okay, save your superpowers for uh, Big Hero 6. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, but that's, I mean, that's the end of the movie. They fly off on the magic yes. carpet. They're presumably yeah. married and fireworks. Yes. After that, but yeah. Here are the questions we go through every time. Uh, how was the princess? In this case, the princess was Aladdin. Uh, 
he's great. Like, I really liked him. He was, he was super charming. I think we talked about the idea of him being an underdog was very cool. Mm-hmm. Like, the story of him, the cheat. Like, he's great. I love Aladdin. I think his story really resonates with all of us. I know Tommy shared his story growing up, and I think we all can identify with being the underdog in a situation, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that can resonate with a lot of people, both children and adults. Um, so it made him very relatable. And I also think, I know he's our princess because he's our protagonist, but we as viewers have not had very strong princes up until this point, right? Yes. He eventually becomes the prince. And so I do like that we get a very strong prince, Yeah, you know, where we know so much about him. So what'd you think? Yeah, no, I think Aladdin, Aladdin's great. He's a great sort of everyman hero. Everybody can can sort of sort of relate he's a working man's hero um (laughs) i like that aladdin i don't know i like that aladdin is so much more clever than like the sultan or jafar i think that's cool Mm -hmm. that the that the street rat is more more is more clever smarter than the people in charge yeah 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 and i like how well we're gonna get to jasmine but i do like how intelligent jasmine is as well well let's just hop into that yeah i love how quote unquote i love how smart she is she is beautiful she's strikingly beautiful but She's also got the brains like she's and I think that that's something we've yeah. seen that with Belle. Um, but I I don't know. I think Jasmine takes it a little bit further. I think she tries. You know, I said in Beauty and the Beast, I felt like Belle stood up for herself in moments. But I, I really feel like that's cl- clearer with Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Uh, sidekicks henchman. Well, what did you guys think about oh, Jasmine? I, I thought she was uh, a stone cold hottie. Um, <laughs> I had the Jasmine Barbie doll. She's definitely on. About she's, more merch. she's definitely on the cartoon crush list. Yeah, I think Jasmine is great. It's so interesting with her because she like. It's funny because she she has she like lacks a lot of basic knowledge because she's been secluded in the palace for so long. Like she yeah, goes like and the money thing steals the like, thing. She yeah. doesn't understand. She's like, oh, well, I'll just go to the palace. They're like, you're not going to the palace, of course. You look like yeah. you're just some street beggar. So, but then she immediately kicks into that like, oh, I know how to like fake that I'm crazy. So I'll pretend this this camel is a is a doctor. So it's interesting because she's so sheltered, but she's so smart. Yes, I would also love a version where we see, like, somebody comes to make her do something in the palace she doesn't want to do, and she, like, fakes sick or something, and, like, that's how she's oh, got yeah. well, so good at, here's, here's the thing at that, that. Here's the thing I'm interested in, like, they don't have the Aladdin series up here, but, like, they, he still has to be Sultan. Like, he, there are things he's not prepared to do that he has to give And obviously Jasmine's yeah. going to have to lead him through that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd be. I'd be like, you know what? Like You take over. I don't want to just say that. Yeah. Like, you take over. But, like, maybe it's time with the Sultaness ruled. Or, like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I don't know. If you want to be progressive. But uh, I think we've talked about the sidekicks and the henchmen a lot. Um, I want to kind of get through this to yeah, get to the thing. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, favorite musical number? I want you guys to go first. Friend I think like I, me, yeah, I knew friend that like that me is my first. favorite Disney song. Period. I really also liked uh, the the other two Howard Ashman ones, but because uh, they do the same Howard Ashman build, mm-hmm. where like they like I, the thing it's we got talked an about, emotional build. Yeah, especially Prince Ali, where he and... kicks open the door, like yeah. when they're like, yeah, like that's just right up my alley. Uh, yeah, what do you I think th- Tommy. I I think. Uh, I think I like Prince Ali, and it just edges out Friend Like Me. Prince Ali is just super fun. It's got. I don't know. I think it's, I like the, I think I might like the vocal performance in that one better from Robin Williams than, uh, mm. than friend like me. 
I would agree with that. Prince Ali for me. I was thinking about it as I was listening to both of those songs. And there's such opulence with Prince Ali. And there's humor in both. But I just, I gravitate towards that one more. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does it hold up? We're going to go through some of these quick because I think we've talked about a lot of them. Female character agency. I think we brought up, unless anybody has anything else, like... The, I think we see it in moments. There's glimmers of it, but... I think Jasmine's pretty good. I think there's no other women in this thing other and than And then him. there are some problematic portrayals yeah. of women in the marketplace. Yeah. Uh, ethic representation. It's an Arabic character. It's all played by an all-white cast. That's a problem. Disney has identified some of the issues and sh- said, showed them here. They've, in fact, changed some of the say, lyrics. Also, the course correction of who they cast for the live action as jeremy right as jeremy mentions like yes. when they do course corrections with yes. the musical or the mm. live action Which, i feel I, we haven't seen the live action yet but i do know from whose cast they tried to incorporate that a little that bit actor is the number one reason i want to see the live action one he looks so charming as yeah. aladdin um drinking and smoking i think there's like wine or something maybe on the she table. throws wine in jafar's yes. face at some point oh yeah yeah guns and firearms no but there are a lot of like swords and like violence yeah. about cutting off people's hands and and talk yeah. of that stuff you don't see any of it yeah beheadings you don't a few see be- blood yeah. or anything but she, yeah. the, the snake gets stabbed at one point oh yeah yeah and, and that scene i will just go back to the scene of him as an old man with that crazy knife like that's a pretty intense scene even though he doesn't actually <laughs> that stab. knife is also like yeah. wavy in yeah. a way that like, yeah. that can't be yeah. effective and it's right at the beginning of the movie too yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um oh yeah well what happens to gazim does the gazim die i mean like, i assume yeah, must I, be. I, i'm taking it to a dark place he yeah. suffocates like he gets suffocated in the sand cave yeah. of wonders collapses well i guess that doesn't happen to a lad yeah it collapses with the lad and that doesn't i happen. figured i was but the or maybe lava or something the carpet saves Aladdin Maybe. in a way that Gazim probably mm. doesn't get saved. But I was mm. wondering, I didn't want to see Gazim's like body, but if there was like a skeleton with Gazim's like clothes <laughs> in the background, I yeah. was like, I'm looking for that. I, I think I, I, that takes it to a, a morbid place. No, but... I was just thinking about him, those cave of wonders being like, Oh, poo, and just like Gazim goes flying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spitting him out. Anyway. All right, guys, it's, it's that time. It's time. We are going to do the infallible scientific villain ranking system. Oh man. All right, so for Jafar, uh, frightening. I and I think we should take into account, like you said, both the uh, um, snake and the 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 wizard, the the the, the genie versions. So I think, in, in my opinion, I, I haven't really thought about him for frightening, but I think he should rank kind of high because mm-hmm. that snake is like I was right when you first saw him. You're like, oh, I was like, eh, it's not so he's bad, and then also, he's like really vicious looking. I hate to bring it back here. He is horrifying as that old man. Like, yeah, I don't, okay. I'm gonna keep yeah. going back to that old man. I for me, it's between a four and a five, and I don't okay. know if I I want to hear what you guys say to see if it sways me one way or another. But that's where I'm. Why at. don't you commit to your own <laughs> beliefs? Okay, like off my dome, a five. I okay. think I feel like in my notes I wrote horrifying on several different occasions. Yeah. throughout the story, I give him a four. I think I'll go. I think I'll go four because he's okay. pretty scary. Um, it's not so much like frightening scary necessarily as it is like cunning scary like if you kind of know him then you're like ooh, i don't like that because he's behind the scenes and he gets Mm -hmm. he has like henchmen to do his dirty work for him and it's almost scarier it's almost more frightening to have a guy with a bunch of henchmen underneath of him than it is just for one person 
Sorry to cut you off. The fact that the guards literally That's don't right. question him. And he's apparently above Jafar, above Jasmine. Yeah. Right, so like, true. Jafar yeah. said this, yeah. 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 Uh, I gave him a four because I'm a big, strong boy who ain't afraid of nothing. But anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> funny, I, I got to give him at least a three, if not higher. Like, he's mm-hmm. humorous. He's very sarcastic. But he's he's dry. He's so also... Maybe dry is where more, he's like maybe more ecstatic. dry than sarcastic. Like, yeah. So I'm going to put a three and let me think on that and see if I want to go higher with it. What do you think, Tommy? Uh, for, uh, it's tough because I think he's, there are definite funny moments with Jafar, although I think it's unintentional from his character's perspective. I think he just happens to be funny at times. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of the times that I laugh when Jafar is there, it's a result of what's happening around him, like Iago being silly or Jafar just being like mindless and crushing him in the door or something. So I think I might say two. Okay. Like a, might go two for funny. Yeah, I mean, some of his his humor, I think I'm being a little generous, but I also... Let's go with your gut, man. I'm going with my gut. I'm, I'm yeah. going to go with a two as well. Okay. Um, but I, the delivery of a static almost wants me to put it at a three. So good. Yeah. That was so good. True. I'm going to give him a two. Prince Abu. <laughs> Um, fierce. Oh, he gets a five for okay. me. He like he's got the cape drama, but even he's got drag queen energy. He, but <laughs> also, he is drawn so different. We talked about this, but he's so striking from moment one when we see him out in the desert with Iago. He's very striking. You know, he's the villain like right off the bat. You don't exactly know how he fits into the mm-hmm. story yet, but you know. Agree. That you got to keep your eye out for him. And I just, there's so much I love about him. And there is a drawing, I'm going to have to find it now, where Andreas, Andreas? Deja, Andreas Deja. Deja, he, um, I think, draws Jafar and Maleficent, like, side by side. Yes, and no, we've have, seen that. It's Because he gave it as a gift to, to the, the to guy the who did Maleficent, who Maleficent. Because he said Maleficent really informed Jafar. We didn't really talk about that. But well, we mentioned about, like, her constricting movements. We mentioned it briefly. Yes. But, yeah, we didn't go into, like, the personality types. But there's a lot of similarities there that I really enjoy. And I think as an adult, Jafar ranks higher as a favorite villain for me. I okay. think coming out. Yeah, of this. yeah, absolutely. Same here. Yeah. Like five for me. I know we kind of talked about how a little bit, how beauty and the beast didn't, it's, it's still a great movie, but didn't hold up for us as much as some of the other as ones. Much as and we Gaston kind of fell in my mind. Jafar, maybe taking the place of Gaston. Jafar's like fantastic. I love Jafar. Yeah. Um, what did you think for fierce? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go five. His yeah. outfit is awesome. And not only that, like, even when he changes, even when he changes into the Sultan and he's kind of like dressed up as Prince Ali a little bit, it still looks good, right? And well, then, hold on. That's, that might be design. I still think you oh. want to give him a five for Fierce. Mm-hmm. Fierce is more attitude, baby. And his energy. <laughs> oh, then definitely, definitely five for yeah, attitude yeah. for I, sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With what oh, you're yeah. saying about his design, yes. too. Yeah. Because um, I, I kind of mentioned that, too, in my Fierce. Uh, effective. Now, we you talk- didn't give. Are you going with a five as well? Yes, sorry. Oh, okay. Sometimes I just do it and I think <laughs> it. Yeah, you so put I it on. see it. So mm-hmm. yeah, sorry. For our listeners out there, I also give him a five. Effective. We talked yesterday about how he should possibly get a five because he gets everything he wishes for. He makes it all the way to the summit. In fact, I think he might be more effective than Maleficent. Like, Maleficent is still a soft five to me, but like him yeah. and, and I could see him and Ursula as hard fives. And that's what I thought going into this. He gets all his wishes. He becomes the most uh, powerful creature on the planet, but it just comes with that extra thing he didn't think about. Mm -hmm. So he gets it. He's effective in his plan. 
But Tommy brought up a point of how many times does he try to kill Aladdin? He never does. He doesn't succeed at that, and I think that that is part of his plan. I don't know if that docks him a full point for me. Mm. Because because Maleficent doesn't actively try to kill Sleeping Beauty other ways. She only wants to get her to prick her finger. And the, the and and that so that's that's the one thing Ursula wants to become well, she doesn't want to kill. Well, that's because she set it up that way. Yes. she gave the spell. Well, she gave the spell and then the fairy right. altered it. So that to me is why her she's a little bit more effective. But all along the way, there are so many times when Jafar gets. It's a misstep. It's a misstep that puts him in that Captain Hook territory because I think of Captain Hook as a very good villain who's very ineffective. Because his whole humor comes mm. from his inability to stop Pan. Yeah. So I think his keep he trying. He keeps screwing it up. So I but one think, could argue he doesn't screw it up. He always sends somebody else to kill a lot. No, he tries to stab him. He doesn't. Oh, stab that's him. a true. Uh, yeah, so how could I forget that? I've brought yes. that up how many times. <laughs> so because of that, and this is a this is a a audible that I am making after watching the movie. Nice. He has gone from a five to a four for Interesting. Me. Oh. But he is a hard four. Oh. Peyton Manning over here. Calling an Omaha. I know. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> How about you, Tommy? Are you at a four as well? Uh, I think... Oh, man. Uh, I see. I. It's interesting because I was thinking four, but and now again. I'm kind of thinking five because... He had so many exit strategies. He had so many different like paths he could have taken as the story progressed. Like mm, he could have taken care that's of, a good point too. you know, he he had his secret layer. So if he got caught, he could get away. He had like he knew where the lamp was. He knew like, and he could think on his feet. But he also didn't think far enough ahead. It's like he planned really well, yes. but he didn't think about the consequences. So I now, think just in a that reminder. vein. I'm not arguing for a four. I'm explaining why I gave him a four. So yeah. don't think I'm trying to like bring a case before you guys. Yeah. I think can... I think I'm four. Because I think a five he would have thought one step ahead and realized the genie was his servant. So then he would have been the servant. So I'm going to go okay. four. See, I'm going to... You can go five? Yes, and let me tell you why. Let's hear it. So I think he did plan out very well because how long has he been hypnotizing the Sultan, right? Sultan has God, trusted him for so it. long. That's a good point. So he's been playing the long game. He's known about this lamp. I don't think Kazim is the first dope that he got to go into the Cave of Wonders. Well, I don't know about that because I feel like. Do you think that was the cave being exasperated? If this is like yeah, the twentieth guy, he's like, just I, go find the diamond in the rough. All I right, feel, that's who you need. Well, I mean, I think an argument can be made either way, but I feel like Iago kind of implies that they've done this before, and maybe that was me reading into it maybe. in that moment. But I do feel like he knows about this lamp, like that furthers his thing, and I think when it comes to him not thinking about. The genie is a servant of him. He's so crazed with power at that point. He has mm-hmm. complete unlimited power. And I think that that is Ursula. Ursula's demise too, right? She's yes. like ruling the ocean and she's not seeing that Eric is like coming at her until it's too late. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he gets blinded by that. And I think because of how I have ranked other villains, I'm doing Jafar a disservice if I don't give him a five. Okay. Because I think like that's kind of been my, my viewpoint. I respect yeah. the fours. But that's kind of that's like my, where I'm coming from with That's it. my biggest thing against giving him a four is I feel like I might be a little too hard on him. 
that I haven't been in the past. But yeah. this is an ever evolving podcast. Uh, you got to go with your gut. I think I'm sticking with a four. Yeah. Um, I think a four is a, a completely respectable number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'd at least get a bronze. Yeah. Yeah. Um, design. Now on design, I'm giving him a five. I'm giving him an eight point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm giving because him a five as well. His, his, his original design is well thought out. You know, it's different than everyone else. It's not smooth lines. And he does mm-hmm. kind of curve a little bit, but he is sh- sharp and straight. He looks good, despite what you said, as the uh, Sultan. I don't love him in that Sultan outfit, but that's just because I like him in the dark colors because he's, he's sinister. But all, yes, I agree. He is terrifying as the old man, and yet you can kind of see Jafar still in him. The sni- he's got like five different looks, mm-hmm. and he is they are all wonderful. The genie at the end is so scary and powerful, yeah. and like so much so that I think they made that second movie because you people wanted to see more of Genie Jafar, Abu, mm-hmm. Aladdin Abu. Yeah. Um, so he's got a five from me and you, he's got a five from you, Tara. Yes. And I think for a lot of those same reasons, and I also love, and we talk about this all the time. I think sometimes fierce and design can influence one another. Yes. And I think Jafar mm-hmm. is another great example of that here where the way he's designed influences his personality and vice versa. And I think that's very strong. So yeah, he's a five for me. Yeah. I think I'm definitely a five also. Just awesome. And it's great. I, I, I totally agree that they, you still see some of those characteristic sort of lines and curves in him, but they're really, really subtle. And they're also kind of like integrated in those hard, mm-hmm. more angular sort of lines. So you can tell yeah. this guy's definitely from Aladdin or from Agrabah, but it's uh, he's definitely not one of the good guys. Yeah, he didn't yeah. look out of place, but like it didn't feel like he was a different character from a different movie, but it mm-hmm. definitely... Mm-hmm. You know, set him apart. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about Go Away Heat, mm-hmm. uh, which is, if you don't remember, uh, like when they're on screen, how much you don't want them on screen. It's usually like weird things that make you, ooh. So he's getting a, definitely a two from me because of that old man. I hate that old man. I think the old man is gross. I think when he when he smiles and there's like, it's so gross. I do not like the old man. That old man, I will wake up in the night going, old man Jafar. Like that's going to happen. <laughs> Does he give a name as the old man or no? He doesn't introduce himself. No, he name. just gets through it. Okay, really. I kind of want to know what his um, name would have been, but so I want to give him a. I'm potentially giving him a three now because now there's why? there's a line in here that I never noticed before, and I'm surprised you didn't really catch it. Where when when the Sultan is like, "You're going, I'm going to have you marry Jafar," and Jasmine's quiet goes. Your speechlessness, I see. A fine quality in a wife. <laughs> I didn't hear the fine quality part. I heard you react, but I think your reaction I read the, that I part. read the, yeah, I read and the subtitle. Yeah, and I, went, I did. Whoa. Oh, I would have reacted to that. <laughs> I would have reacted to that way more had I picked that up. <laughs> so, I think that's, that's, a, that's a hard point for that. Like, yeah. like, the, like for me, I'm, he's starting at a two. And that's some that's some bad misogyny just to throw in. He does refer to people as slaves a lot. I think that's more of a problem of the movie than it is of Jafar specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's well, a soft refer- three, but I'm giving him Jeannie. a three. Yeah, Genie is his slave. Yeah, well, he says he calls her a slave. Yes. He says he says a lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving him a three. Okay. Because of just kind of some problematic stuff. The problematic stuff pushes him into three. He's got a hard two because I I'm like. Take the mask off. Take the mask off for that stupid now, old see, man. I'm the opposite. The old That's man. Fine. Hor- That's the point. The of old man horrifies me, but I love him. I love how different he is from Jafar. But okay. he's a, so. But so he was a one for me until you said that line <laughs> that I did not catch, which I will probably go back and watch just to hear it since I missed it. 
he will get a two from me because of that line because I would have been outraged had I heard it. And so. Tommy, I don't want you to feel that if you vote a one, that means you don't care about misogyny. So just go ahead and feel free to, to say here <laughs> yeah, on the podcast, I, put it on the record that I hate women. It's time yeah. for you to go out there. No. In that say, case, I'll, I'll go negative 17. And yeah. <laughs> um, I will say I want more of Jafar. So that's why he would usually be a one for me because I want him on the screen more. But that's, I love him. that's the thing about, I, I think we need to talk about this is go away. Heat doesn't necessarily mean it's the opposite of yes mm, factor. Good point. Because you point. can want to root against someone and be like, oh, there's some problematic stuff. Yeah. And still be like, give me more. That's it's, true. It's, I'm staying with things. my two, yeah, yeah. but yeah. Hmm. I think so. The the higher scores, the more I want him off the screen when he's on the screen. The more you hate, like there's love to hate someone and there's hate to uh-huh. hate someone. This is hate to hate someone, and also if there's an uncomfortableness or an ickiness about yeah. him, like sometimes I'm like, oh, like I don't. Love. Like when he's an old man with teeth going in every direction, <laughs> like a broken piano. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it's probably a two, just because like, also thinking of this as like a kid, like he's really scary as the genie, <laughs> like yeah, as the Jafar I think a, genie. That's a good point too. And like, yeah. I would have hated to hate that. Like that would have like scared me as a kid. I think. Uh, yeah. And I think it's the genie just, is intense. That's a good. Mm-hmm. It's and just he's so not on nice. The screen for very uh, long. No, yeah, it's just at the end, and it's real scary. I think, but also, he's just so refreshing to have on screen because he's so different. But then I also think, like, is that Iago that's influencing me, too? Do I like to see Iago, and that's Jafar? Just remember the next subject we could probably get into right now is yes factor, which is the opposite. It's how much when he wasn't on screen, you were like, oh, man, bring back Jafar. Yeah, because I like, uh, I don't know, because I love to hate Iago, too. I don't know. Oh, no, I think I'm going to do it at two. I think a two's okay. a fair, a fair, get, a fair one for him. I have a new cosplay. Uh, am I'm I going to be, be a Yago? I'm going to be the old man. <laughs> oh, <God>. oh, nice. <laughs> You're going to be sleeping somewhere else. <laughs> Not in my house. Uh, uh, so, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, yes, factor. I, he's I think he's a five, he's a five for, me. for me. I really like. I think I, I, I think he would have been a four originally, but like. I think it, watching it bumped him up to a five. He may be my new favorite villain, like more than Ursula. I love Ursula, but like, I also, Ursula is clearly the best villain. And I'm always, I'm not, I don't like to be the guy who's like, I like, you know, the best. That's why I'm a Cowboys fan. Um, so, uh, it's <laughs> a lot of football talk on this I episode. Know, right? uh, oh, so yeah. I think, I think I really like Jafar really has gone up in my personal list, but what do you guys think? I, yeah. He's a five for me, and he's gone up in my personal list as well. Um, but I don't think he, again, I don't think he comes above Ursula for me personally. But I, I, I want more. I said it earlier. I want him on screen more. I remember liking Return to Jafar. Uh, I, of course, don't know how it holds up as an adult, but I remember being excited for that sequel because it was a sequel about a villain, and I loved the villains as a kid. So. So you're giving him a five yeah. too, Tommy? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, five like for the same reason as Tara. Actually, I was really excited for the sequel because, like, ooh, Jafar. Like, I get to see more of more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think you might be right. I think I think my little bit of go away heat has kind of edged him up a little bit, but I don't think this is wrong because he is our new number three. Oh, he deserves that. Spot, I, he is. I he think. is edged Who was out number the three before him. Uh, tie between the Evil Queen and Maleficent. Oh, hmm. so hold up. Where does that put everybody? Who's the top five? Uh, Ursula, Corella, Evil Queen, and Maleficent. <gasps> he edged out Maleficent. Yes, by wow. point three. Wow. Yeah. 
I think, I think I, I'd okay agree with that. that. I yeah. think I think also knowing that I mean we talked a lot about what Maleficent has become since her on-screen appearance. And I think she is good, but she's also working with like 1960. And I also think if you think of mm. the animator who did Jafar, literally he, he could not exist without Maleficent. Yes. And so I think him being a little mm. bit higher, I think that makes sense. He's been influenced by her. Yes. But yeah, they have they have they are 28. Jafar is 28.3. Wow. Oh, man. Corella, Corella DeVille is 28.5. Wow, so that's that's close. the difference we're talking about man. There that's as we great. get up into I the top. It. I can't wait for Scar. I'm yeah, really Scar will be curious. an interesting one. Yeah, I'm curious where he's going to fall. Tommy, thank you so much for guesting on this. This was a wonderful episode. Uh, it was a wonderful movie. Um, Such a delight yeah, to have you on. I'm, thank yeah, you so thanks much. for having me, guys. We ask our guests to plug something, whether it's a personal project, whether it's uh, something, some media you're enjoying, or if it's just a sentiment you want to put out there in the world, or I guess you could pass if you wanted to. Or you could also, you know, celebrate the Ravens. I know you mentioned them yeah. earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. I'd like to plug the Baltimore like Ravens. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, they, need, they need more publicity for sure. Yeah. So go ahead and plug, hit us with your plugs. Uh, I've been thinking about this, guys, actually. and. Wait. So I think the thing I want to plug is, so I am a music teacher, and I've been a music teacher for a long time in elementary schools all across the country from, I was in El Paso, I was in Baltimore, I'm in D.C. now. Um, so anybody who's listening to this, all, you know, seven to ten of you, um, take a we look. We have in more your... than that. We have more than that. We have, there are dozens of us. <laughs> yeah, dozens. We can almost feel the, an offense and a defense. Um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, look in your uh, basement, look in your attic, look in your garage, look in an old closet for any musical instruments you might have, and then go look up the worst performing school in your town and go call the music teacher there and see if they need some extra instruments, because a lot of the reason that many of my students who come from different kinds of socioeconomic backgrounds one of the reasons that they're able to pursue music as a, as an activity as something that they enjoy is because they have instruments provided to them and there's a lot of kids around the country like that so if you have a guitar or a keyboard or a violin or a trumpet laying around call up one of the one of the schools and donate it I should do that with my trumpet. My trumpet. I keep saying I'm going to turn it into a lamp. It's going to do a lot more use for use someone. Use for someone, yeah. Um, I love that, Tommy. Thank you for sharing that. I never really thought about doing to to do it in that way. I think that's a, a great way that you can kind of give back to the community. And I love the idea of looking up a school that is very much in need, right? Instead of just donating yeah. to like who's close by, depending yeah, on exactly. what that school's performing is like. Not giving up my didgeridoo, though. No, that you're holding. Oh, no way, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again, Tommy. Uh, Guys, next time we uh, have a very special guest for The Nightmare Before Christmas, I believe. Yeah, we're headed back to Christmas. And we're going to some... uh, Christmas town. Christmas. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, thanks again for listening, uh, and we'll see you next time. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is, too, at TRP Diaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. 
Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Thank